Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. 1-850-104-106. There's a nice supplement mix. A lot of the papers today, a lot of the tabloids, and it all has to do with Princess Diana. Um, and, they, of course, uh, Princess Diana died under tragic circumstances, as we know. Some of the Red Tops actually relived that moment by moment by moment, the death crash. But in just a few days, July the 1st, it would have been Princess Diana's 60th birthday. Uh, and many of the papers have pull out, colour pull-outs with photograph after photograph after photograph of Princess Diana. And all of them, all of them, one thing you'd say about her, always smiling. Near the end, of course, a lot less smiling because she was a very troubled woman. But many of the Red Tops today carry, and the Mirror have an extensive one uh, on Diana, who would have been 60. Imagine that, 60 in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, on the topic of women, very, very worrying stories regarding uh, domestic violence and abuse and what women have been putting up with, with an 80% increase, with an 80%, 81% of people who contacted Women's Aid uh, in the past 12 months contacted Women's Aid for the very first time. They had thousands, tens of thousands of contacts, over the, certainly over 2020. And imagine it's only the tip of the iceberg because uh, imagine all of those that don't contact the likes of Women's Aid or the Cork Rape Crisis Centre and the likes. But the examiner this morning lead with it. Uh, 43% surge in domestic abuse reports. Uh, the mail on the front page this morning says Women's Year of Living in Fear. Harrowing report, which I'll drill into a little later on this morning. But the abuse included women saying, women saying they'd been strangled had their teeth knocked out, as well as all sorts of different forms of coercive control. In fact, some of the abuse led to women suffering miscarriages because of the abuse. Uh, And Women's Aid have been giving repeated warnings that during the pandemic, uh, a a situation was created, a nightmare environment was created, if if you will, for women and children trapped in vulnerable and domestic situations. And they talk about all sorts of different abuse, much of it physical, a lot of it digital, cyber stalking, secretly recorded, uh, having their intimate images posted online without the consent. Uh, An amount of the abuse happened when women were uh, facilitating child access visits, uh, unwanted unwanted calls from ex-partners, lots of distress in the home as well because of uh, lockdown and people living with a perpetrator, living with an abuser during lockdown. And a huge number, uh, a big surge in the number of women seeking help and looking for refuge in the past 12 months. So awful, awful, awful stuff. Uh, we'll come back to that a little later on uh, this morning, I promise you that. But Gary McPolin, Barry McPolin, my apologies, was before the uh, uh, Joint Policing Committee yesterday and we got an awful lot of stats on, to, on the different types of crime that's up in Cork and the different types of crime that's down. And there's a considerable amount that's down. But he was saying at the policing committee yesterday, uh, and I see it in the examiner this morning uh, online, that children as young as 12 are coming into Cork City Centre, getting drunk and staying out till one o'clock in the morning. He asks the question again and has in the past, do the parents not know where they are? There's been more guard patrols uh, and indeed, unfortunately, a number of assaults reported um, some of them uh, against members of Angada Shikana. Uh, so an increase in public order offences, unfortunately. A lot of other f- offences are down. Uh, drug offences increased, incidentally, by 63% in the last year. And that's a worry. Uh, but harassment, stalking, threats, menacing phone calls, all up. In fact, one or two of the papers this morning, including the examiner, talk of uh, issues involving people who are being scammed particularly in the rental sector. sector. So I will be returning to that also uh, a little later on this morning. Uh, many of the papers today talk about all the confusion over the past 48 hours with regards to outside dining and outside drinking. 
pretty much now the, the the deal here is that the guards have been told by Drew Harris to use discretion, which means to leave the pubs and the restaurants alone outdoors, not to make a meal out of it, as the as the mirror puts it this morning. Um, top cop steps in to ease the outdoor drinking issue. He's ordered rank and file officers to use their discretion, like cop on when enforcing laws and outdoor drinking. This is the outdoor drinking where people are sitting down at tables uh, that publicans and restaurateurs have heavily invested in, or and actually, sometimes with the help of city and county council, with grants and what have you. So the examiner this morning says publicans and guardy see clarity on the rules. In fact, Benny McCabe, who owns a clatter load of pubs in Cork, many, many pubs in Cork, says that discretion isn't good enough, that it needs to be law and it needs to be put into a, on a legal footing because he says discretion can breed favoritism and abuse, he says. So that's an interesting take on it from Benny. I hope I have a chance to catch up with him later on this morning. So no threat to outdoor pub drinking, no threat to people who are dining or drinking, uh, and the papers this morning deal with that. In spite of this Delta threat, um, the government, and I imagine, I hope they have an effort on board, they're going to just drive on with uh, the reopening plans for early July. The front page of the Indo today says, plan to press on with reopening despite the growing Delta threat. But house parties are an ever-increasing worry. Uh, and uh, whether you knew it or not, an awful lot of people have moved into College Road to party for the summer, but that's perhaps for another day. The story that makes the mail this morning is Athlone, a spike in house parties, a spike in large gatherings in Athlone, leading to an outbreak of the Delta variant itself. Papers also this morning talk of um, a man who's be- before the courts. Uh, um, it's a lot of different court reports this morning. Like the Echo this morning has a Cork rape case that's being appealed. And they also have the case of a, a court case where the man, uh, already charged with assault of his mother, may face more serious charges. There's also an application before the courts for entry to the central mental hospital being made on his behalf. But, you know, I was talking about fishing and vishing and smishing and all of these different terms for all sorts of different terms for ultimately robbery and fraud. Uh, That features in the Echo today. And I will be just reminding people later on this morning how these rental scams work. I mean, to summarize it, really, the scammer. You, you see a house that you want to rent, okay? And it's usually stock pictures of somebody else's property. It's usually gorgeous uh, and by and large cheap. Um, and then the, the guy who's, or the guy or the girl, whomever, is allegedly renting it, the landlord or the owner, is always overseas and can't show you the property, but asks you to send a deposit. Um, and then they'll say that they'll send you the keys, but they never arrive. Sometimes, apparently, according to the examiner this morning, the keys do arrive, but they don't fit the property because somebody else is already living in it. Um, so anything like that's a warning, it really is. And all of those numbers and call. I mean, I got an 089 call last night at a quarter to 10. Now, I don't answer them, but I came really close to answering it, saying, I was going to say, have you any idea what time it is here? It's a quarter to 10 at night. Do you think that I'm really that thick stupid that I'm going to fall for whatever guff you have? But I didn't. And you know the way you kind of count to 10? Uh, and it passes. And I'm glad that it did because I don't want to be engaging with these fools. Ian Bailey continues to dominate many of the newspapers. Uh, of course, the Netflix documentary will be the next one that he's to deal with. And he says, I was bonfired on a pyre of lies in Paris. This is the French court case. So as the document, as the Jim Sheridan documentary rolls out on Sky, uh, more and more column inches make the newspapers. Uh, there is one part of it, actually, that I was watching at the weekend where he, he says that uh, Princess Diana used to give him the eye 
He says that she was quite flirty. And that's an extraordinary claim that makes the front of the sun this morning. You need to watch the documentary and, and hear what he has to say and the context and the situation in which he says it. I won't give too much away, but I, I don't know whether it was tongue-in-cheek or whether he was serious or not, but uh, many of the papers this morning uh, continue to talk about that. The next one out, of course, will be... Um, will be the Netflix documentary. And if you didn't know it, um, uh, scientists have now proven that uh, being woken up to the smell of coffee magically gets rid of your hangover. For some people, it's a big fry-up. Others, it's uh, get to McDonald's as fast as you can. For more, it's it's Lucasade. Um, but apparently, the latest one now, apparently, is the smell... I don't even know if you have to drink the stuff. Just the smell of coffee. <laughs> The ultimate hangover cure. I mean, I don't know. Whatever floats your boat, whatever works for you, I suppose. Hair of the dog is not the way to go, I'm told. The Neil Prendeville Show. Lines open 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. Lots and lots of texts on different topics from yesterday and over the past few days. And I'm encouraging people who are looking um, for uh, workers to get in touch if you're a business owner because we've had a lot of conversation recently with regards to people who say they can't get work they're sending out resumes they're not getting calls they're desperate for a job full-time or part-time and then on the other hand I'm hearing from business owners who are saying that they're looking for staff and can't get them so if you are uh, looking for staff do get in touch text 086-8104-106 because we'd love to hear about it but you know when the sun shines and uh, you know people think of uh, you know heading away or heading to West Cork or South Kerry or enjoying the weather, whatever the case may be, up the country. It's getting ever closer now, of course, to when you will be able to fly overseas on an aeroplane. Remember those things, those big tin cans in the sky? So yesterday, with the beautiful, beautiful weather, that's the question we were asking. Are you off on your summer holidays this summer after July 19th? Have you booked already? Where are you going? When are you going? Seamus Whelan was on the streets to find out what's going on in the minds of Corkonians when it comes to Holidays abroad. Don't fly. We did once in 1970, and I always liked Pope kissing the ground when I got off the plane, and I said never again. But it was a bumpy ride. Oh, would you get the the, the boat? Um, no, I prefer. I love my own country, so I travel around my own country. So staycation all the way? All the way. And you know what? We need to stay here and bring the, the economy back again. Oh, I absolutely love Galway. But in the last three Sundays, my daughter and her husband brought me all over Cork, down to the cove, but we went to the woods. Beautiful, absolutely stunning. We went to Coachford to Farnham Woods, another beautiful place. Absolutely. So you're rediscovering Cork after all these years? I never knew it even existed, boy. <laughs> I'd leave the spires go first and then I'll go. I can't wait to go. I'm and waiting on my second injection. So I'll be off then. And where would you plan on, on heading? To sunshine. It's a bit too nervous as well to go, I suppose, with the whole coronavirus. A lot has happened over the year, so it has. But it also, like, I suppose, you don't get as nervous till you see it there in front of you. And stuff like in your town, you realise, you know, the virus is there keep my distance for a bit. Hopefully the following year though I will. I have a daughter in America and uh, we haven't seen him for two years. We usually go over every year. So we go over maybe in September, you know. And but you wouldn't have a worry travelling in September? No, I have no worries whatsoever. We have to get the jab, the two jabs and as far as I'm concerned I believe what uh, scientists talk about, you know. 
Sound of blue eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. Can't help but put you in good form. Come fly with me, come fly, come fly away. The uh, local artist Jason O'Gorman has created the most magnificent graphic. I think the lads have shared it on Twitter and I'll share it on my Instagram page a little later on. It's a graphic um, of uh, a new company, a brand new airline called Rebel Air. Direct flights from Cork to Cork. Experience the joy of holiday flights without the discomfort of leaving Cork. <laughs> It's a fantastic graphic and you've got the city in blazing colour with blue skies and flying above it over the North Cathedral in Shandon is the most gorgeous aeroplane emblazoned with the name Rebel Air and the colours are red and white and it's absolutely (laughs) fabulous. If you love your city or a good laugh, well done Jason, talented local artist, fantastic. I know he won't mind us, he won't mind us sharing us, sharing it. More on holidays and trips abroad after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850. 104 106 Red FM Just listening to the commercials in that commercial break there and there was an ad for TUI holidays who were telling people you know time to start booking your sunshine destinations TUI will do it safely for you they'll look after you so that's optimistic with things moving forward isn't it but I wonder have people been booking or indeed even travelling abroad some time back I spoke with Pat O'Neill from CanaryIslandsTips.com and he was giving us the stats on the various Canary Islands I thought it might be an idea because he got back in touch again to say that very little has changed on the islands. Joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. How All are you? right. So you're back in Cork for a while now, are you? I'm back in Cork, but my plans are to go back to Las Palmas uh, very soon, you know, maybe in the autumn. 
Um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine in Las Palmas last night, and I kind of it might be interesting for people that say want to retire over there or something like that. Um, one of the options is like I might be thinking of buying a boat over there, right? Not to sail, just to live in. Wow, um, what have you got in mind, my friend? Well, I know nothing about boats, number one, so uh, it would be in Las Palmas Marina. And he was telling me you could get one for about eight to ten thousand there. Yeah, you know? but what size though? I mean, how big? What kind of square? Foot? What? What? What kind? Of, how many meters? God, you, you have you have me Neil. Like, like if you want to live in it, it's got to be big enough to live in it. So you want you yeah, want well. I've seen friends of mine and I visited them in the marina, so like they're quite cosy, you know. They're not huge or anything, you know. And you want thirty uh, or forty feet to live in it. Something like that. Well, my buddy anyway is from Clare. He's from the Hinch, and he's living over there, and he's. He's a ship's captain. He used to have a ferry service today or an island at one stage. So he'd be able to advise me and all that anyway, you know. And why are they so cheap? Do they, do they have an engine in them? I mean, can you take um, them out or are they just marined? Well, no, um, I don't think most people that do that over there, don't, they don't ever sail, you know. They just live on them. So, like, for example, like they could rent a house in Ireland and go over there and buy a boat, and I think the fees for being in the marina is about 200 euro a month, so it's really cheap, you know, so you could live off the excess then of what oh, you might rent over here, you know. That's my dream, actually, you know, when everything ends for yeah. me, that's, but I, my wife tells me I'd be on my own, that she has a notion right. of me, but, but I, I would absolutely <laughs> just, love that lifestyle. Love it. Just, te- just tell her, Neil, there's no need to sail. You don't have to go anywhere. Nah, you know, you I don't think that, I think it might be to do with the cramped conditions or something. I don't know. People yeah, need, the, yeah, need the space. But yeah. for me, I would do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm definitely so, thinking of doing it now, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you are doing something like that, you need to do really proper research, you know, and get professionals involved because you don't want to be buying a pig and a poke, you know? Oh, yeah. Look, my buddy, Neil, he was, uh, he was the youngest captain in the Irish shipping back in the 1950s. He's so the man he, to give you a steer the then. Man, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck with that. But tell me, okay. who, who's been traveling to the likes of Tenerife, Lanzarote, Gran Canaria, Fuerteventura, places like that? Anyone at all? Well, the main market at the moment for the Canary Islands is the German market. Right. And um, they're the number one. They have less restrictions. Uh, the Canary Islands is on their safe list at the moment. So they don't need to quarantine with, when returning. And they just need to take a test. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the number one market is the UK market. And that's one in every three visitors on a normal year. But that market has just collapsed. And the Irish market, has that can, is that still low? Very low, very low. Um, the latest figures I have for is in May, 923 Irish people arrived at the airport. So, so if 923 people arrived, May gone, what was it yeah. May on a normal year? The, well, you need to look at May 2019 because May 2020 was a lockdown over there. And it was 51,338 down on May 19. So 98.2%. 98.2% drop from 51,000 to 923. Mother of God. And uh, 482 went to Lanzarote and 441 went to Tenerife. The other islands actually weren't connected in May uh, from Ireland. They just got back in the... Those visits then, would people have to give valid excuses to be allowed fly and allowed into the country and all that talk to me about that um, they would have I'm like you weren't really supposed to travel now I might get in trouble for saying this but I've been 
I've been in touch with people on various forums that have travelled, you know, just asking them about their experience. And the latest I'm getting in, say, for example, Dublin Airport, I don't think the guards are there at the moment and they're not really asking questions. Now, if you travel to Dublin Airport and get stopped by the guards on Saturday, don't blame me. I'm just telling uh, what people are and telling And if you did go to Dublin know. Airport to the go to the Canaries, what excuse would, would, would you have to give to be able to travel? Um, well, I was talking to a guy recently. He said he used a dental one, and you know, I'm going for a dental appointment. You know, mm. and I know that was very big a couple of months ago, and they were they were not allowing that. But um, you know, I, I don't think they're really asking questions at the moment. But as I said, if you go there Saturday and they they stop, you don't blame me. Uh, it's just some feedback I'm getting from people. You know, that's incredible. That figure of nine hundred and twenty-three yeah. people in the month of May. And what wh- what are the, what are they expecting the Canaries after, say, for instance, July nineteenth? Well, the, um, I think the like obviously the Irish numbers are going to go up. But the big thing for the Canary Islands is to get people from the UK there. As I said, there was one in every three visitors. And I don't think anyone from the UK is going to be going there until late July or early August. They've delayed everything there, haven't they? They've delayed everything. And, for example, they have have a traffic light system. And it's going to be updated again tomorrow. But no one's expecting anything uh, big to happen there. Because, and why are they um, more keen to have the UK there? Because they go in bigger numbers than the Irish. I mean, July yeah. 19th, somebody would say, for instance, with two jabs or a digital certificate or whatever, they can they, they can go to the Canaries, can't they? Um, from the UK, Negan, is it? No, from uh, Ireland. Oh, yeah, you can, yeah. And uh, you can go with two jabs. But um, the problem with the UK is on the other side. There is problem with the UK not allowing their people to travel rather but than... I'm, OK, but from my understanding, say, for the Irish, even somebody yeah. with one jab or no jab can go if they get a test when they come back. Yeah, at the, like even at the moment, uh, you can go to the Canary Islands if you get through the airport and you just need uh, an antigen test. Yeah, yeah. They, ch- they changed that on the 7th of June. Now, an antigen test is about 40 to 50, 45 to 50 euro, you know. And, yeah, but yeah. the one thing is you need to do it 48 hours prior. The old PCR test, you need to do that 72 hours prior. So that's one change. But you know? for somebody who's fully vaccinated, none of that is needed. On the 17th. Yeah, the 19th. Uh, 17th or the 19th, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's three, you either have to be fully vaccinated uh, or if you had COVID and proof that you had it, yeah, uh, or take an antigen test. Like I'm getting the impression because we do the odd vox on on holidays and what people are planning over the summer, and I'll take quite an amount of calls on it. A lot of people are just uh, foregoing foreign travel this year, and they're they're already booked up for a holiday home or an Airbnb or a hotel or guest house break in Ireland. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like for example, there we used to have a flight from Cork to Gran Canaria. Um, and that's gone now. There's nothing happening like to the Canary Islands out of the car. But they started one from Shannon to Grand Canaria, and it was supposed to start on the 3rd of July. And I've been looking at that, and that the first two weeks have already been cancelled. Yeah, it's be too, be too that, soon. That, well, that's just shows you people are, are not keen to travel. And if someone were to go, I mean, are all the restrictions lifted now on the islands? Are there curfews or any of that kind of stuff? The, is there indoor and outdoor? Yeah, the curfews are gone. There was a Spanish state of alert and that ended in April. Now, the Canary Islands wanted to keep the curfews going. 
but the local court shot it down saying that it was like a national state of alert and that the local government couldn't put that in. But the islands are still on different levels. For example, Gran Canaria and um, Port Ventura on level one. And the bars now can open till 2 a.m. Yeah. But on level two, it's midnight. And from next Saturday, the Spanish national law on wearing masks outside is going to finish. So you yes, don't need to wear a mask outside. Yeah, but we don't need to wear a mask either unless we're moving around outside, you know. But uh, No, but they, they introduced this over there in August. That you so had to have a mask everywhere outdoors? Everywhere. Now, Frikey. sitting on the beach, you didn't. So yeah, okay. Or eating, okay. or eating food or drinking, you didn't. Okay, okay. So we're up to speed yeah. then. Um, and, I mean, you're home now. Big change. Well, well we, get the, we get the odd good day. Do you miss the sunshine and the heat? Uh, do you know, I miss it so much over there. Like, I, I just used to love I mean, like, I lived there for five years, Neil, you know, in yeah. Aspham and so. Yeah, yeah. And I've got some really good friends there. But Cork is great too, you know, especially with things opening up. You got it. Well, people can continue yeah. to follow you and get tips on their hauls and stuff like that at canaryislandstips.com, can't they, Pat? Exactly. Exactly. And I do a COVID update every day at the latest COVID situation there. So I do that. And just one thing that might be interesting you just before we finish, uh, that prices aren't really coming down there. I mean, like the last pricing information I have for accommodation is that in April they were up 6.3% on April 2019. So that's interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, let's uh, let's see what happens with regards to yeah. what will be hopefully yeah. uh, an enjoyable summer for people, whether they decide to stay at home or go overseas. Good to catch up, Pat. Stay in touch, all right? Yeah, great. Thanks a million. You're the man. Cheers. Take care. Take Much obliged. Bye. With regards to people either looking for work or looking for staff, as a business owner, I can agree with the man employing staff. This is from yesterday's program, uh, call centre, couldn't get staff. We took on a man on a full-time basis that was on the pup He'd obviously become used to living on 350 a week because he asked to cut back to three days a week but keep his company car for seven days a week. There needs to be a facility for employers to dismiss and report people for wasting employers' time. I also know of a dry cleaners that couldn't reopen because the staff wouldn't come back and they couldn't rehire new staff. I, for one, will be calling their last employer and asking was the staff member offered their position when the business reopened. If they were and decided to stay on pop, they won't be getting a job with ourselves. So that's just an example if you can follow that text with regards to people who are struggling to get staff. It also prompted a call from Kerry, who has Fitzpatrick's shop, wonderful shop down in Glanton, with regards to the pop payment. Kerry, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Are you hiring? Oh, God, yes, I'm hiring, absolutely. Uh, I have seven vacant positions to fill in my business right now. Um, and uh, I had said earlier when I was tra- chatting um, with Brenda, we've, uh, honestly, recruitment has been the toughest it has been in the last 18 months um, that I have experienced over the last decade, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, look, initially, obviously, when the pandemic happened, I think there was, you know, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of people out of work. Nobody was moving jobs at that point. You know, that was completely understandable. But um, we obviously have been open to it all, as as most retailers have been. Um, and, you know, we're fortunate to keep our doors open because it's been a real challenging time in general. Um, but, yeah, I suppose in the last couple of months, as as things have opened back up and we thought, well, look, you know, this will this will pass now and people will be coming back to work and, you know, there'll, there'll be more people circulating and all that. We thought this would get easier, but it is certainly not. And what was the case? Did you have to, because of COVID, did you lay people off or were they temporarily on a, a, a pop payment or, or what? 
Honestly, um, what what happened for us, Neil? Because I know every business is different. Like last year, when the initial lockdown happened, like our our business dropped over thirty percent in the first month. So we actually we we partook in in the government subsidy scheme, um, and we were on that for just um, a little under eight weeks. Um, and then, you know, that was support that we really we needed. But it actually meant that we didn't leave one of our team go over that period. Um, and kept all our staff getting their regular net pay. Um, and then business started to kind of come back up gotcha. little yeah. by little yeah. and got back to some so kind how of level come of you're, So how come you're hiring seven then? Yeah, because, well, obviously um, our business, in the midst of this lockdown, of course, then, if someone had told me January last year when we knocked the pub next door to us that there would be a global pandemic hitting the country eight weeks later, yeah. uh, I probably wouldn't have done that. But um, we've moved into uh, an, our new building in October. So in the midst of all of this, we've been doing a huge renovation. And so our business has grown in size now since last October, particularly. Um, and that's really when we were starting to kind of look for more people to join our team because our, our business size has, has increased um, and the volume of people that we need now is more. Um, so we've been advertising really, if I'm honest, I've had adverts up on jobs.ie non-stop since probably last July. Um, and like even recently, I put up um, like a delicatessen assistant and I got two applicants for a full-time delicatessen assistant and the two that came in were two kind of young student guys that are in college that yeah. obviously can't work full-time yeah. um, and like I, I've had another roll-up which is a bit more specific for like a baker confectioner about a month ago um, I got nine applications one was in Ireland one the rest of them were from all outside like UAE India um, Sri Lanka, yeah, just <laughs> nowhere They're looking here. at Irish jobs, are they? Way over there? Well, this is the thing as well. Like, we, we're actually, like, things have gotten, like, so, so um, challenging for us, I suppose, that I've actually now started looking into seeing if there's an option for us to get work permits because, wow. and I've never, I've never done Isn't that, that before. Because, look, we... We're a local business. We love employing local people and, you know, people from our area, if possible, or in the Cork area. But, um, you know, there's a, there is a serious skills shortage in the line of baking and confectioners. Everybody kind of knows that in retail at the moment. And if you talk to any of the, the bakeries that are left here um, right now, they'll tell you that. It's it's a real dog-eat-dog when it comes to getting bakers. But... Um, yeah, the challenge is, is that normally, you know, we would have expected that for, for that skill set before, but for for everything else, we would never have had a challenge recruiting. Um, and do you yeah, think it's, it's down to pop that it's disencouraging people from going to work? If I'm really honest, yes. Have then, Has anybody yes. said that to you, any of the applicants? Uh, no, um, because honestly, I haven't got a huge amount of applicants to go through, but I, like, we've obviously got a lot of um, local suppliers and cork businesses coming into us here as well. Um, it, it, it seems to be across the board. It's not you said retail. that, be, that you, you say it's not specific to you. Retail, hospitality, yeah. construction, transport, landscaping, mm-hmm. people that you come in contact with are all on their hands and knees looking for staff. Yeah, yeah, and that's no that's no exaggeration. And like I spoke to a man recently, just uh, looking to get in, say some temporary um, chef relief, and his words to me were that he he can't get people to come off the pub payment, so they're looking for cash with that. 
Oh, for God's um, sake. I mean, that's so dishonest to say the least. That, but they want to stay on the puff payment. And like, you know, another local business. And is that people here, of all ages or is that just, is that young people or students trying it on? No, or? no, it's, it's people of all ages. But I do know one or two local businesses here that usually would take on like student level people as well, particularly over the summer months and stuff like that. And like, they can't get anybody in. They, they can't get anybody back in because people are used to, to being on this. And listen, I would have been the first person to support this it was so well needed and my own sister her business closed she is a beautician she couldn't have survived without that so like this was absolutely needed I, I would never be questioning that but my, my my question I suppose right now is as all the businesses start to open up and like really come August I mean, all businesses practically will be open. Um, and unfortunately, there is some businesses, Neil, that will not reopen after all this because they've had a terrible time trying to open and reopen. And, you know, th- there, there are businesses here that will never open again. So obviously, those staff are going to be affected. But like all other businesses are open, um, yet they're talking about extending out this payment into the start of next year. And I'm wondering why. I wonder if there's an amount of people. That's that's a good question as as, as to why I had he- I had heard it was mm. maybe September. You're telling me it could be the new year. Um, well, I- the last I heard was November, and then they were thinking about pushing it out into the start of next year. I just wonder. My, when- my question about that is, I I I'm under like trying to understand why that would be needed when I mean, people are desperate for staff. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, like, I have, at the moment, what I'm sitting with right now is I have three delicatessen roles, I have a checkout assistant role, I have two chefs and a kitchen porter. That's what I need right now in my business. Do you think, do you think that maybe a lot of people who don't want to go back just yet want to enjoy the summer and look to going back and staying on the pub to have a nice summer, you know, a bit of freedom until the back end of August? Yeah, perhaps. I'm not sure. And I, look, I do think all of this is very specific to, to individuals and individual circumstances. But like the reality is, is that anybody that's going back into what, say, we would term an entry level job, which is someone maybe on between minimum wage and twelve fifty an hour, like they're not coming off that payment. No, because they, because maybe a full time delicatessen job wouldn't pay them three hundred and fifty into their hand. Oh no, it would. It would. It would. It well would, would that. But but the, the, the but how much over it? Really because depends. they're getting the three fifty to do nothing. Correct. Correct. So Correct. it would have to be yeah. substantially more than three fifty to tempt somebody, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then obviously, look, people have their own circumstances with regards to, you know, if they have to organise childcare Correct. or they have a partner working or not, and yeah. all of that is coming into play here. But it's just, I suppose, I I only had glimpses or little parts of your conversation last Friday because I was in and out doing deliveries, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because um, yeah. I've no driver at the moment either. But anyway, so um, driver as well and, as needed um, as well as everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I part time driver. Yeah, but it's just. Um, as right. I say, like I, I have a very close friend working in, in a hotel property as well. Um, actually, not in Cork, just up the country a bit. But like they were able to tell me that the hotel is only opening 30 bedrooms on a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So if you go on to book and it looks like it's booked out, it's only because they're only releasing 30 bedrooms. Why? The only reason they're doing that is because that's all the staff they have to manage. Okay, okay. Do you believe then that pubs should be stopped sometime soon? I, I look, this has been a really hard, like, 18 months for everybody and anybody sitting at home on that or, you know, it, ha- it hasn't been easy. So, 
you know, my, my thing right now, I suppose, is that, like, I just wanted to, to come on to say, from an employer's point of view, like, reopening the country, that's all very well and good to say. But, like, when businesses can't get staff to reopen, and that's, like, you know, I know some, like, poaching and left, right and centre that's going on between businesses for hospitality, restaurants, shops, every, everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, really difficult for us to get things open and back to normality if we don't have the team to support us. Okay, and just finally, very finally, what staff are you looking for again, just to recap? Yeah, so I'm looking for three delicatessen assistants, one checkout assistant, two chefs and one kitchen porter. And how can people get in touch if they wish to? Uh, they can email actually Kerry at fitzpatrickfoodstore.ie would be great um, oh, and I wasn't ringing for the plug for no the I just I, mean, I just uh, look you never know there could be people I'm also getting yeah, emails yeah. from people well, saying look, they can't I, I get work so yeah I yeah. do think it's important like that that, that you know obviously look employ- there are some employees that are going to be in a position that they're looking for but I think when things will really be seen here genuinely is when that payment stops and you then see okay who is actually looking for work now you know okay. that way okay, um, okay. because it's just as I say it's been a super super challenging time and hasn't been an easy year for businesses either as well as individuals you know what I mean so it's been hard overall but look I mean we, we'd love to get in some talent for our team and, and, and like we know there's people there so you know I, as I say just wanted to let people know that employers in general have work. Okay like, thanks Kerry have a good one Kerry at Fitzpatrick's in Glanton if you're hiring do get in touch text 0868104106 back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. SSE text coming in there already from people who are hiring and other people looking for work. This is a non-argument at this stage because anybody on the, anybody on the pup are on borrowed time because it will be reduced in September and gone altogether by February. So you have five or six months to get a job because after that you'll be on the dole. Uh, I wonder are people, you know, I was making the point there, are maybe people just delaying because it's summertime and they're saying, well, I'm just going to continue as I am for the summer and then look to work maybe in September. People are very happy to work for good employers, Neil, who pay a living wage and have proper terms and conditions, career progression, quality training and staff care. People don't want to work for subsistence wages with exploitative companies who treat their staff as a disposable commodity. One more on that. My daughter worked in hotels during her school and college years. The way she was treated was nothing short of slavery. It seems to be that this kind of culture is accepted in the hospitality industry. And then somebody taken task with me in regards to tipping. Why did you say we need to sort out tipping and tip properly? Why can't employers pay their staff a de- decent wage, full stop? So keep those texts coming, text 0868 uh, There was some ESRI stats came out, and I don't know whether you'd agree with this, but research, uh, fresh research that came out recently said that 95% of PUP recipients would be financially better off in employment. And it also warned that a substantial proportion of young people, including students, will, sharp, will face sharp reductions in income when these schemes come to an end. I, may, I think maybe people are delaying it. What was interesting about what Kerry was saying, a lot of interesting points, the fact that she is hiring, but she said that um, uh, there's a lot of poaching going on now within retail and hospitality. Companies robbing each other's staff 
Uh, and also, she's talking about people who come in looking for cash. I'll work for cash so that I can hold on to the pop payment. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And also, again today, another opportunity to win for yourself our beautiful super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill from Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr. It's a fabulous spot. It's family-run business and it's set within the traditional 19th century walled gardens of Carew's Wood and it's just a half an hour from the city just in Castle Martyr. Hook a right there as you go through Castle Martyr and away you go and beautiful cafe down there as well. Never mind all of the fantastic plants and shrubs and trees and all sorts of beautiful things you can buy uh, for the garden. But we have a super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill and 50 euro vouchers every day this week. <clears throat> so at the moment, we're wondering about your earliest childhood memories. You know, your best, your funniest, your loveliest, your craziest, your whatever you can call. And yesterday, of course, we got down to, um, I think, the age of two, two and a half earliest memories. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It's the fast one on earliest memories. My earliest memory was when I was three years old. My new brother was two months old. Up until then, I was the only child, the centre of attention. Along came my brother. I was so jealous that I was not the centre of attention anymore. When mum changed my brother's nappy, she left the room. And I put the wet nappy on his face. My mother walked right in when she heard the screams, saw what I was done. I was scolded, to say the least. Scolded. Back after 10. Imro Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. All right, a lot of confusion yesterday with regards to what's the story with outside, outside drinking. Many publicans and restaurateurs had invested money. City Council had as well. And then the guards came out and said, uh, terribly sorry, but this is actually illegal. There was a lot of clarification then from the Garda Commissioner and the ministers and all sorts of people involved. And it seems as if uh, that storm has abated and it's calmed down. Benny McCabe has the mutton Lane Inn, the Rising Sun Brewery, the Bodega, the Oval, the Crane Lane Theatre, Shin A, Arthur Mains, the Vickerstown, BDSM, El Phoenix, the Poor Relation, the Cafe, and Artie's Bar and Balancholic. God forgive me if I've left any out. Benny joins me by phone. Morning. Is that the lot? Is that the full spec? <laughs> it's enough, Neil, isn't it? <laughs> I'm good. Good to catch up. And you're always yeah. the positive, optimistic one. Not so optimistic about this confusion yesterday, though. You're still not 100% happy about it? Um, you look at me, and that was, that, was, that was the situation for the last 30 years. I mean, it was, it was kind of on discretion, discretionary policing, if you like. And I think, actually, the Gardaí were right to raise us um, before the summer kicked off in earnest by saying, look, lads, you're putting our junior members into a situation where they're on the beat and, and, and there's a situation and the top brass are telling him one thing and the councillor's saying another and the Department of Justice is saying another thing, you know. So, you know, they're probably right to raise it and, and at the end of the day, there's two choices. One, you continue with the discretionary policing or two, you legislate for it. Yeah. Because the third, the third option is that we're supposed to all go back drinking, takeaway pints and standing, standing on street corners. Like, I mean, like, you know, from a general policing point of view, the pubs open last Monday week, outdoors at least, and, um, you know, some fear mongers were saying, oh, the world will end, and do you know what happened? Absolutely nothing, because people had a seat, people had the use of a toilet, and the city has been absolutely shining since. Yeah, it seems as if cop-on will be uh, the, 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 the way to go, isn't it? Discretion is another word for using cop-on, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, do you know the old saying is it? Speak slowly or speak softly and carry a big stick. Perhaps you know if, if the trouble if the trouble does come, that's 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 my opinion. You know, so look, as I I, I think yeah, Neil, common sense has has prevailed. And look, it's it's wonderful, like I you know to see the city um, in such a way, people outside enjoying themselves. You know, now you know we still must be cognizant that many of, of my colleagues in particular are still not open, so it won't be over until until they're. They open. are the ones that don't have any footage outside, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, you know, and 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 we must be cognizant to them as well and, and hopefully they'll be back with us sooner rather than later and in the interim get, get all the supports the necessary to, to enable them to open their doors, you know. Yeah. But I think, I think overall it's an absolute win across the board. It's universal for Cork City because, you know, you've got the council doing all the stuff for the pedestrianising of streets and, and I put my hands up, Neil, I was anti-pedestrianisation up to COVID. Let's, let's be very clear about it yeah. and honest about it, you know. And and to see kind of, um, you know, this, this um, I know it's, it's it's much said, but, you know, oh, you could be anywhere on the continent, but it's absolutely true. And I, and I think that Cork, and I've said this before to you on, on your show, yeah. I reckon that Cork is, yeah, has the potential to be one of the finest, small, livable, walkable cities in Europe. And I think we're beginning to see the, 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 the rise of it. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful uh, any day, but particularly when the sun shines. I was in myself last week, but but night times are still somewhat different. I mean, Barry McPolan was telling the city's joint policing committee yet again of the problems in the city at night with people congregating. Now, the majority of them just want to socialise and meet their mates, but he was talking about children as young as 12 coming into the city centre, getting drunk, staying out till one in the morning, asking the age-old question, do their parents know where they are? Do you witness that? Um, well, you know, it's, it, 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 it's an interesting one. We don't witness it because generally we're locked up and gone home by 11.30 these days, you see. And what happens, and, and this is very important from a policing perspective, what happens when you create a, a vacuum of, of vigilance, uh, if you like, and security? Well, naturally, the children will congregate in those spaces. Right. So therefore, if you take like the car market street or you take down the boardwalk or you take, you take anywhere, if the businesses are shut, if their own security aren't maintaining um, order in the area, if you like, well, then automatically the guardie are up against us. Yeah. Because, because, because children and we were all kids, we all, we all gravitate to where our parents can't see us. That's just the nature of but it. But as young as 12, drunk in the city centre, it, was, it wasn't always like that. But, but you see, Neil, the, the point is it, it, it was never like that before because all the businesses were open and people were, you know, there was, there was more people about and it wasn't tolerated. But when, when, the vast, when the city pulls in its, its sidewalks, as the Americans say, at 11.30, well, then you're creating a car planche atmosphere. If you have 12 guards on in the city centre and 300 teenagers, you're going to get exactly that. Do you? you know, and here's an interesting one for you, right? Um, I, I questioned two youngsters that I know, I know their parents, and I was walking home one night from work, and I said, guys, what are you doing down here? Do your parents know where you are? Yeah. And the answer was very simple. Um, well, we used to hang out in the estates down um, near enough to where I live in Magazine Road direction, but we feel it's safer now in town because it's better lit and the whole lot, and we don't fear we'd be beaten up in town. Right. Yeah. Now we all know that there's been incidents to the contrary, right? But in actual fact, even the, the teenagers are telling me that they feel safe for going to town late at night because then, um, for, for those very reasons. So you know, it's 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 not it's not the, the city centre as such. There are many many factors and many factors um, you know uh, surrounding, let's say, conditions 
yeah. or youth congregation in the suburbs that are creating this fight towards the city. You okay. know, everybody goes towards the light, Neil, at the end of the day. What, what about what about staff? I mean, you had an awful lot of pubs and uh, and what have you. Did you manage to hold on to them? Were they popped? Were they, I mean, where were you at with that? Did you manage to bring them all back, um, will you? No, we, 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 we never left as such. We, we retained 95% of our staff and, you know, we, we kept the teams intact over the winter. And, you know, we just kept maintaining, kept the buildings ticking over and all the rest of it. And, you know, to, to provide a, a forum as well and a focal point for, uh, in particular, our elderly customers. So we were very lucky that, um, that that most of our staff stayed with us, you know, and I'm absolutely kind of grateful to them. And, and I'm very proud of them as well at the same time. Are you hiring? Uh, we are. We're hiring. Um, as you're aware, I suppose there's a hiring issue across the city um, on the basis that it's table service. So, you know, you need you need two and a half people to do the job of one good bartender, you know, in terms of running drinks out, running, you know, contract tracing, etc. But I, I have a contrarian uh, experience, Neil, on the basis that, that we are absolutely delighted with the sheer numbers of CVs we're getting in from teenagers. Why is that? If others are telling me they can't get people to come off pop and you're getting... What are the teens saying? That they, they want to come off pop, is it? No, they're, 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 they're saying very simply, right, there's a commonality, right, because I ask them and I ask my, my, my colleagues at work to ask them two or three questions and overwhelmingly they all come back with the same answer. Do you know what it is, Neil? It's, it's a, my mum and dad uh, are having difficulties paying the rent. Right, I can't. Uh, if I want my phone and my runners, etc., I have to now go get it myself. Um, these kids realise that the pup won't be there forever, and those kids that are now in jobs this summer will have a job in September when many more will start looking for it and simply won't get them. They won't be That's there. You're saying if people are delaying and staying on pup, do so at right. your peril. Correct. No, I, I tell you, I, 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 Neil, I've, I've met some diamonds in, in the rough. And uh, what we're seeing here, like, not only are positive things going on in the city, right, with the outdoor seating, we are now seeing the, we are now seeing a kind of a, a, a realignment of where it was when you and I were young fellas. Okay, if you wanted a few bob pocket money, if you were going camping, if you were doing whatever, you went out and earned it yourself, right? And I'm absolutely delighted at the energy and the enthusiasm of the young kids that we see coming into us. Yeah. Right? yeah. And well, what I would say to anyone out there is, listen, lads, um, your CV is the last thing you should hand in. The first thing you should hand in is a steady gaze and a smile. And be chatty. <laughs> but what right? if they can't pour a pint or serve a table? A well, smile well, won't well, be well, much well, good well, to you then. Well, listen, listen, come here. If you came into me and you, 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 your only skills were pouring pints and making skinny lattes, I'd show you the door. <laughs> what? Right? Because... Because yeah, because I've no I've no interest in hiring you, right? I I, I want to hire somebody who can talk about music. I want to talk about you know I want to hire somebody who's enthusiastic. Do you know I I want to I want to I want to you know hire somebody who can stand up straight. You know and and you know who isn't Molly Coddled, who isn't uh, entitled, right? That's who I want to hire. You said right? in a job spec for Shanae that you must have a fond love of Planksty, punk rock, Cohen, McGowan, Gallagher, history, a sense of humour, the ability to ball hop but never name drop. Is that right? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And remember, and remember, as, as my friends in the city say, and all around the city, uh, you know, the ability to dodge a drive by mocking. You know? <laughs> and, 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 thank, and thank God that's the worst of it, you know. So I'll I, I I, give you an example, right? This kid came into me uh, uh, three weeks ago, right? And he, he came straight up cock of the walk now cock short of himself right and he says he says to me I, 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 uh, I've never worked in a pub before but I can make all the cocktails and of course that raised the laugh and I said you can yeah 
And he says, uh, he says I can. And I said, well, how, how, did you, uh, how did you learn to make cocktails? So he told me, Neil, he says, uh, I bought myself the set and I learned it all on YouTube. <laughs> right? Now, so here's a guy, right? You got to admire his initiative. You, you see, that's it. It's initiative. In, in fact, uh, Neil, it's cheek. Right? It, kind of reminds, it reminds me of when we were all kids. Like, cause he, look, um, you know, um, it, what was true then is true now. I, I think, you know, you got to boss it. you got to fake it till you make well, what it. What did you, you know, say to him? Hmm? I heard him. <laughs> I heard him on the spot. And that kid, that kid now, right? He's, he's, uh, he's barely 18, right? That kid is going to be a battle-hardened star barman by the time he's 19 years of age. Right? And, and, he's, and he's a kid and he told me, he said, his dad told him, he says, listen, he says, yeah, yeah, you can uh, stay in your short pants all, all summer long and, and take the, the pop and all the rest of it. He says, but, uh, but, but you go looking for a job and you, you simply won't get it. You know something, you ooze so much enthusiasm. I want to go work for you. <laughs> Well, you should. Like, are you into planks, Steve? Oh, big. If I was on a desert (laughs) island, right, all I'd want is cheese, coffee, and a planksty box set. There you go, there you go, there you go. But listen, it's, it, I, I tell you now, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, my, my, my middle girl there, she's 17, all her peer group are working, right? From from McDonald's to garages to whatever, and they're earning their money. And you know what? Those kids are a lot happier, a lot settled, a lot more mature, and a lot more independent, right? And okay, um, I'm like, you know, it's like Barcelona has its academy, Munster Rugby has their academy, Man United, you name it, whatever you're into, they have, you know, we, we have to allow these young people uh, a chance, right? And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hire uh, a good few people with absolutely zero experience. I don't want to see their CVs. I want to see their smile. <laughs> I want to go out and plough the Galtees. I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That's what you... And we're, we're seeing these guys, these guys... Now, by the way, I, I also see my own demise in the rise of these kids. I'm like, Jesus, I, I, Neil, I'm, I'm, I'm now an old man. Like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only 49, like, but I see these kids coming up and they're, they're, they're stronger, fitter, faster. You know what I mean? And, 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 and uh, you know, these are the kids that are going to take over. That's right. We need to make way at some stage. Not any time soon, Benny, I hope. Not any time soon. <laughs> you know, we have a few chapters to, to write yet, Neil. But look, Neil, I, I just want to say to anybody out there don't get hung up on your CV when you've no experience go in and badger the manager of the place Fantastic. you know, Fantastic. You know Fantastic. that's what you do make yourselves indispensable right yeah, make an effort right and never ever look down at your shoes always look up and look out and you know what um, you can go to Harvard you can go to UCC you can go to anywhere right but you'll be amazed uh, at the most important lesson in life do you know what it is Neil tell me if you don't ask, you don't get. There you so go. There you right. go. The squeaky wheel. Right. You go in there and you ask, right, and bear in mind that, that these are the guys who will be working in September on many more items because there'll be a gap we all have to retrain and reskill. But there's an energy coming back into hospitality that's absolutely incredible. And I, I, I didn't see this coming two years ago. And I'm, 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 I'm a happy man today watching the energy of the youngsters. I'm, I'm feeding off it myself. I'm yeah, I can off. tell you're feeding off it. I can feel the positivity yeah. off you. Listen, it's yeah. great to catch up. If I do nothing else today, it was great chatting with you. Listen, good luck. You and, you three and best you know. luck and love to all. All right. As always, we'll hook up great again soon. The one and only great Benny McCabe. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red.
FM. The great Benny McCabe, just full of positivity and encouragement. Text 0868104106. I will come back to all of that throughout the course of the morning, but I want to take this opportunity uh, to turn back to a topic that I mentioned earlier when I was doing the newspapers where they talk about a surge in domestic abuse reports. Even calling it domestic abuse does not do justice to what was happening to women in our country and particularly during the pandemic. It's a report that was put together by Women's Aid. Uh, they received tens of thousands of disclosures of abuse uh, last year and I believe that 81% of those who contacted Women's Aid had never done so before. Uh, I want to use this opportunity because I don't have a whole lot of time to, to talk with her. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Sarah Benson, the CEO of Women's Aid and she joins me by phone. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi, I, 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 I did go through some of the shocking examples of abuse that women have to put up with um, earlier this morning, but can you just talk me through the report? What did you find? Well, um, as you mentioned, Women's Aid run the 24-7 free phone um, national helpline for domestic violence and a range of Dublin-based services, face-to-face services. And so our services alone during uh, 2020 had a surge of 43% increase in contacts. Um, That number is nearly 30,000 contacts. We also, I would add, uh, through the National Free Phone Helpline, act as a referral point and a connector to all of the other domestic violence services around the country, including all of those in Cork. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, th- these are just our numbers, not theirs. So, what we so Mary Grilly and others will be reporting numbers uh, yeah, separate Yeah, so you have the Yana, One Stop Shop, Manofasa, West Cork Women Against Violence, Community Refuge. All of those services will have, we will have signposted to them or they will have had their own direct contact. So I think it's really important to say that our figures are just the tip of the iceberg. One in four women in this country will suffer, be subjected to, I should say, domestic violence during her lifetime. And we conducted research last year that showed that um, by the age of 25, one in five young women will have experienced abuse and 51% of them before the age of 18. So really, this isn't an issue that's going away. Unfortunately, it's one that is a pandemic of itself, uh, which will abide long after uh, the coronavirus is gone. And so what we're saying today is that we need not, um, we must not, you know, uh, forget and we must capitalise on the, the increased public focus and support and awareness of services and to destigmatize the issue for victims themselves and encourage uh, both prevention work and also the protection that, that women need. Correct, because when you add all of those numbers, yours and others together, it is also another tip of the iceberg because there are many who suffer in silence and don't pick up the phone looking for help. We've done two studies, one with the 18 to 25-year-olds and then a broader um, uh, independent survey. And in both of those, we found that uh, a reported about one-third of uh, women who have been subjected to abuse um, had never told anybody, so let alone a support service or the Gardaí, never told anybody, not their mother, not their friend, uh, not their sister or their brother. So as a community, we need to be really vigilant because the two primary reasons why they reported that they wouldn't were um, fear of the perpetrator, which is understandable, um, but also uh, that that shame and stigma and feeling, uh, you know, uh, that they might not be believed 
um, that there, there, there wasn't support there for them um, and in some cases that what was happening wasn't abuse and the fact is there are signs there even when so much of it happens behind closed doors and so we all um, if we have somebody we're worried about uh, a family member a friend a colleague even if we can all know the signs that somebody may be in a coercive and controlling relationship and we all um, you know act in an encouraging and supportive way not to, to have to respond in depth but to signpost people to those specialist supports that are there because there is help out yeah, there. because the physical evidence is one thing but with coercive control there's no physical evidence is that right it can include physical and sexual violence, um, but I think what's really critically important is that the vast majority of the um, the abuse of behaviour reported to us was fundamentally emotional abuse. And then you could also have uh, threats of or actual physical and indeed in some cases extreme physical and sexual violence. But with, with domestic violence, what we're talking about is not a single incident. We're talking about that coercive control, which is lots and lots of different tactics, some of which on their own would not constitute a crime, but they will combine emotional abuse, psychological abuse, economic abuse. They will wear somebody down. They will wear down their self-esteem. They will get um, bring somebody to the point where their every waking moment is literally being combined or controlled by, by an abuser who has got into their head through course of controlling behaviour. And the impacts of that uh, behaviour, women will say again and again and again, are more severe, more long-term and more crippling in terms of feeling able to act, um, feeling able to, to, to make decisions, to have choices in their lives, far more so than single incidents of physical abuse. So coercive control is, is kind of at the beating heart of a domestic violence relationship. And thankfully, it's now a crime that we need to continue to raise awareness of. Yeah, I mean, there, are you comfortable going through some of the graphic examples? Because the papers do talk of them this morning, women saying they had been strangled, their teeth had been knocked out, um, women who actually suffered miscarriages because of physical abuse. I mean, it's just shocking, you know. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we've now launched a three-year um, project trying to engage with maternity hospitals in a specialist way, recognising that there are particular vulnerabilities at a time when, uh, for, for the vast majority of us, you know, uh, maternity pregnancy is, is a time of great connection and love between a couple. Um, unfortunately, where there's domestic violence, it can actually be a time when abuse may even increase and it certainly creates higher risks. So, um, you know, while it's incredibly difficult to relay those, things, I think it's important that we don't hide uh, away from the, the actual lived reality for some people, for some women who are living with domestic abuse. And has that so been that much tougher, that lived reality, because people were, you know, we were through all of the different lockdowns and, and people really were hunkered down at home. It must have been horrific for some. Yeah, for those with whom um, uh, they are living with an abusive partner, of course, those opportunities for respite got, got kind of whipped away. The rug was pulled from under them. So children were kept home. Um, people were told to stay home from work. The opportunity to kind of have time apart, to try and manage the situation, to have contact with other people who could simply be a friendly face, not even a, 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 a significant support, but just that the women talked about just the fact that there was no respite, that the, the, the pervasive contact they had was with somebody who was abusive, who was degrading. But at the same time, our report highlights as well that 24% of the women contacting us were experiencing abuse by a former partner. And a lot of that then surfaces in the family law courts where the abuse does not end when the relationship ends. And that's an important how, how thing does, that we uh, need to remind. How, how, how would that happen? Would the, would the former partner be ter- just turn up or something? Or? Or, or would it be during visitation rights or, or something like that? It's per- 
particularly challenging for women where they have children in common with an abusive partner because that is the tie that binds, you know, for 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 every you know forever and ever thereafter. And so we do have real concerns highlighting today where you know we have custody and access hearings that are being heard in the courts where there is not a lack there is a complete lack of understanding and an assessment of risk where there is coercive control both against the the, the mother and the children. Um, we have reports and have had for a long, long time that even if there's domestic violence orders in place, even if there's criminal proceedings in place, when judges are hearing custody and access matters, they will not, they, they don't attend to those. They're considered separate and irrelevant, whereas actually our family law system needs to embed throughout all of the proceedings yes. uh, an understanding of risk of course of control of its impacts that doesn't happen efficiently in some kind of rare instances it does but the whole system needs to understand that if you're separating from an abusive partner you know um, there's a much higher proportional um, uh, instance of domestic violence in those those separating families that are going through the family courts and are you telling me that in the family the law system then the court won't deal with the abuse Well, in terms of trying to decide a matter of custody and access, there is a um, uh, pro-contact culture uh, whereby contact is almost assumed and there is definitely a disproportionate, um, or or there is a, a, a... a lack of consideration of where there's domestic violence against uh, the mother. Um, So if a a woman were to say, but when he comes to collect the children, he beats me up. Yeah, it's it's very often is set aside as a separate matter and it is is sometimes assessed that that does not actually reflect a a risk to the children, whereas that actually flies in the face of what we know uh, and what Tusla have confirmed is that even being exposed to the abuse of uh, of another parent actually constitutes emotional abuse of the children. Of course children. it is, and the children misfortunes, yeah. It is our experience and that of our services doing court accompaniment work, and we have heard it from our colleagues across the country as well, is that those, those matters are not given due consideration. And the voice of the child should be absolutely centralised in these proceedings. And, 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 you know, with the Child and Family Relationships Act, that's actually enshrined in law. It's not our experience that children's uh, children are listened to, that they are asked. It is much more the case that there's a pro-contact presumption for a parent, even where there may be allegations of abuse. And that's not to say that parents shouldn't have contact um, and that provisions should be put in place, but we don't have any child contact centres. There isn't recognition of the risk that then the protected parent may face through contact. Women would report to us being abused at the point of having to hand the children over and then having to deal with the distress of children not wanting contact whose opinions have not been heard in the matter. Yeah, I know. It's awfully distressing. Um, And There's also stats for, say, what we would call now digital abuse, cyber stalking, um, you you know, constantly being monitored online. You know, all those kind of areas? Yeah, and I mentioned earlier we had done research with uh, to try and capture it. There's very little evidence uh, and research available in Ireland around the experience of younger adults and uh, of, of intimate relationship abuse. And while they often... This is the sharing of images, is it? Uh, what, no, this would be all forms of like, as in having, I mean, I suppose we refer to intimate relationship abuse more for younger people because they like domestic would imply that they're living with somebody often not the case. Um, and so we did focus groups with 18 to 25 year olds and, and that language just didn't resonate with their experience. So if they hear domestic violence, they think, oh, well, that's older women. They think it's in the home. Whereas actually we found that one in five young women, one in 11 young men were experiencing uh, uh, domestic abuse as defined. So 
they would be more vulnerable to the likes of online digital harassment, stalking, um, uh, like you mentioned, image-based sexual abuse, which would be around trying to have somebody either consensually share images and then then threaten to release them or, or share them without consent, use them as blackmail and leverage. And one very welcome um, provision at the very, very end of 2020 was we had the enactment of COCO's law, which is the Harassment and Harmful Communications Act, which now makes it a crime to uh, uh, perpetrate image-based sexual abuse and forms of online harassment, which previously weren't really catered for in law. So it is an additional tool that we know abusers will use um, and, uh, and it's used to stalk, to monitor and to harass um, as well as in-person abuse. Of course, you, you, you deal with women who come looking for help, for help, don't you? We don't have stats as such, do we, for men who are going through similar situations, do we? Well, we do offer support to any caller and we would then refer, there are a number of specialist services specifically for men. So you have the male advice line, which is run um, by the Men's Development Network and they have a free phone helpline. So um, if somebody phones us out of hours, uh, we will always offer them support and would refer to them. So I don't have their particular figures to hand, but I know that they will be capturing their own data and uh, I would imagine releasing that also. Okay. And do you have, you provide a 24 hour, 24 seven service, don't you? We do. It's 24-7. It's entirely free and confidential. And for anyone for whom English may not be their first language or a language they're comfortable with, we can have dial-in interpreters in over 170 languages. And we also operate an instant messaging support service that runs uh, not 24-7, but on select hours, seven days a week through our 2NTU website or womensaid.ie website. And, 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 and that has been great during COVID-19 for silent communication. Correct, yeah, because not everybody has access or can find the time or even, God yeah. almighty, even be able to make a phone call, you know? Yeah, well, if, if their abuser is in the next room and they don't want to be heard, it has been a, a, a lifeline for someone. Are you resolved to the fact that your service will actually always be needed? I would love to think that uh, our services would not be needed and those of our colleagues in the Domestic and Sexual Violence uh, Centre. But I, I suppose, you know, I think there's great improvements we can do and I think there's um, great opportunities now to do more. But in the same way that, you know, murder is it remains a criminal yes. offence because, yeah. you know, it still is perpetrated, we may always be needed. But, I mean, Women's AIDS vision is for an Ireland where there is zero tolerance of domestic abuse and, and that means that if we have a strategy that is geared towards both prevention and protection and prosecution and good policies that, that you know, recognise, you know, the, the, the dynamics, of course, of control, we can, we can really reduce that number down. Okay, Sarah, thank you so much for stopping out and uh, taking the call. I do appreciate it. Women's Aid CEO Sarah Benson and Women's Aid Free Phone is a 24-hour helpline. 1-800-341-900. Pick up the phone if you can. 1-800-341-900. 900. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just as a by the by, I saw an amazing story in the, in the Red Tops today. I'm reading it from the mirror this morning. You know, Amazon, they've got these massive, huge, big warehouses. I think one of them is over in, in uh, Northamptonshire, and there's another one up in Dunfermline, Dunfermline in Scotland where they store everything and a lot of companies who provide uh, products also store their products with, with Amazon. But apparently um, some kind of secret footage that was done by, I guess, a disgruntled or a worried or a concerned employee says that Amazon are dumping um, unsold goods and sending them directly to landfill and that they're destroying millions of items every year. It was picked up by ITV News. They found smart TVs, laptops, drones 
hair dryers, all sorted into boxes marked destroy. Perfectly good products now. 130,000 items a week. An ex-employee at the site of one of the warehouses said 130,000 items a week were being destroyed. We're talking about perfectly good things like Dyson's, Hoover's, MacBooks, iPads, uh, still in their wrapper. Um, you know, rather, I mean, you would think that they would donate them or give them to charities or give them to schools or give them to people who are desperately needing them rather than sending them directly to uh, to landfill. Sometimes it's, it's products that were returned. You know, a lot of people send stuff back. Others then were things that just never got sold or a new model would come out. I mean, it's awful stuff. The amount of waste is just incredible. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Let's get back to our phone lines. Damien, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you oh, doing? I'm good. Okay, with regards to work, those that want to work, the, those that don't want to work, Benny McCabe was really optimistic, I have to say. Um, and then the pop payment. What are your thoughts? Just, just uh, I suppose, a, a slight word of warning to, to employers that um, if you have somebody who's currently out, it's probably a bit dated now, but if you have somebody that's currently out on pop that's maybe not coming back, employers need to be very careful that the employment relationship is managed because eventually the well that is the COVID will, will dry up. And what you don't want is a situation where somebody is coming back to work, comes back to their employer and says, hi, I'm uh, ready to come back to work now. And the employer says, well, six months ago, I gave away your job because unless there's a dismissal, there's there's a dispute. So I just think people need to be careful with that. If somebody's not actually coming back to their job, I'd be writing to them, asking to them, have they resigned? covering it off somehow because otherwise you're, you're going to end up in a situation where they're, they're still your yeah, But there's two different things here. One is a pop payment where there's no work and the other one is the payment that the company gets that passes on to the employee and tops them up if they're not ready to bring them back. Absolutely. No, I'm talking about the pop payment. I suppose, you know, if the government had their time back, I've no doubt they would have done it in reverse and tried to keep people in employment as opposed to everyone sent home and getting this 350 from the welfare. It would have been a lot, lot, lot shrewder move to Give but if you're on a pop payment, is the job not gone? You, no, no. If you're if the business is closed, a lot of people are on the pop payment at home. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, or or they've reduced workforce or something like that. That's right. That's I suppose, right. Yeah. This was really felt, I suppose, at the initial point when everyone was sent home, and, mm-hmm. and I know one small employer who couldn't get one employee back, and I said, "Well, you need to be very careful here." Um, that eventually this person doesn't come back and say, "Well, I still have my job with you," because they do. And, and, and that's the important piece here. I would say there will be some disputes in, through the WRC uh, in time over this where, well, I'm, I'm back now. You're my employer. Very true. And, yeah. And yeah. there's no cover up, there's no paperwork to, to, to match that piece. And I mean, look, my own thoughts on it, it's a bit disingenuous if people are staying out because the pop payment, like any social worker payment, it's not an entitlement, it's a benefit. And, you, you know, look, I'm not going to get into whether we should or shouldn't be paying people X, Y, or Z, but. If your job is there... Oh, no, it was perfectly acceptable to, to take a back. pop payment when there was no work, but if people... Oh, 100%. And, 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 if there is work you know, now... May continue. If there is work, people need to go back, and employers just need to be conscious. If they have somebody who's not going back, well, then how do you deal with this? And if you do nothing, they're still your employee, they're still a crew in service, you replace them, you might prefer the person that's new in, but... You might end up before a tribunal or something, is it? Well, well, you won't if you if you take them back when they come back. But if your assumption is that they're gone, they're not unless there's something to cover us. And again, dismissal is the key piece here. And I mean, you've David Gaffney on quite a bit. David be far more learned than I. Yeah. But dismissal is the key piece here. So if there's no dismissal, there's no dismissal. 
So, you know, unless you've something to say from them, well, I'm resigning, I'm going to stay on the cup, which they probably won't because the linkage between the two might prevent them from doing it. Yeah. You, they're still your employee. Okay. And obviously, if you dismiss them, you have to follow process. Okay. Employer beware. Much obliged. Thanks, Damien, for that insight. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Uh, back to work. How Your daughter's, is she looking for work? Yeah, oh yeah, she's, I don't know, she's 16 in November, but she'd do absolutely anything. She's just, uh, she's a really good girl in Ferris Tower, and she's just, she'd rather do something than just hang around, you know? For the summer, can she not, well, you can get summer jobs, can't you? I think you have to be 16. A lot of people won't take you on because of uh, insurance and stuff like that, you know? I just looked at the breakdown there with regards to working. Oh, well, if they won't take you on, that's a different matter. But the working age breakdown, Emer just threw it up on the screen here. Age 14, up to seven hours a day, 35 days of hours a week during the school holidays. Age 15, up to eight hours per week. Uh, sorry, is it per day or per week? Anyway, I can, we can get that corrected. But they are saying from age 14, you can work limited hours. And you don't know that? I never knew that. I was just taking the... Like age 15, age me, yeah. 15, you can work uh, seven hours a day, 35 hours a week during the school holidays, for instance. And up to at 16, you can do eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. So, oh, that's brilliant! I never, you know, no, I never knew that. I just thought it was sixteen. I wasn't doing my uh, my so, research on that. So, so did I actually, you know, when I knew yeah. you were coming on. But apparently, from fourteen, you can do seven hours a day during the summer holidays. That's amazing. I, I'll have her out. Yeah, she's sitting here next to you. Would you like a quick chat with her? Yeah. What would she like to do? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I put John for. She's chat, she's chatty old thing. What's her name? Her name is Chloe. 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 All right. Hi, assuming, hi, Chloe. Morning. How are you? Good morning, how are you? Are you, are you going stir-crazy with the boredom, is it? A very, I've wanted a job since I was so young. I, like, I can remember every single day since my dad, since I was like 14, I'd love to have a job. And then he just kept telling me that I have to be like 16 and stuff. And then I was just like getting paranoid that I couldn't get a job and stuff. And you're, are you nearly 16 though? 16 in November. All right. Well, what would you like to do? Um... I don't really, like, I'd do anything, to be honest. Anything to get a job, I wouldn't mind. I'm very good with kids and stuff, and cooking and cleaning, and I can do it all. Yeah. Mind the cleaning, Neil. Mind the cleaning. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell, go and have a look in our bedroom. <laughs> That's enough. My bedroom's spotless today. <laughs> Just he, he caught you on a lucky day then. I go into bedrooms and they're like bomb, bomb sites. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You are going on 16, so you're 15. It's the summer holidays. It sounds to me as if you're very good with people as well. You're a good sense of humour and you're a good communicator. Yeah. Don't know about, I don't know about being around alcohol. Maybe, maybe that might be an issue in a bar or something. But what about, what about restaurant work or cafe work or deli work? I'd love all that. And how many hours a day would you like to work? As many as I could get. <laughs> what do you say? What would you be saving for? Well, if I could save to go over to see my brother in Albafera, that would be the best thing in the world. Uh, he moved when I was like nine. Did and he? To get a, yeah, and to get a car when I'm older and get an, a house. And I have my whole life planned out. Well, I tell you something. I love the idea that you want to get a summer job because that would give you, that would give you great incentive to work and to save money and have a better life going forward, you know, starting young yeah. like that. It's it's a very positive thing, in fairness to you. And tell me about your pals. Have any of them jobs? 
Yeah, um, one of my best friends, Clara, she works in SuperValue and my other best friend, Troy, recently went for an interview to do um, like lifting and cleaning and stuff. So they're trying to get jobs as well. And and your buddy, what you say her name was? Cloda. Cloda. Is she yeah. walking around with loads of money now and you're not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's see if we can get you a job. <laughs> let's see if there's somebody out there would hire you. Where, where are you living? Like what suburb are you? Mahan Cork. In Mahan. Well, and if you would, would your dad give you a loan of the car or anything? No, too young, I suppose. I'll drop, I'll drop, he said, I'll he, drop her everywhere. I'd collect her. Yeah, daddy's the chauffeur and proper order too. <laughs> okay, I think you'd be great in hospitality, working with people, because you seem as if you like to smile and to laugh and have the chats. Yeah, very social. Not afraid of a bit of hard work then. Nope. All right. Okay. Let's see. I mean, if if you had an ideal job, what would it be? Um, anything to be honest I'd love anything All I'm right. very social like I'm not like one of those people that are very socially awkward I'm very like chatty and I'm out there yeah so if a customer came in you'd have the chats you wouldn't be looking down glum ignoring yeah. them yeah I met a fellow yesterday and he did something and I said thanks very much and he completely and utterly ignored me I think it takes nothing yeah. to say you're welcome do you know what I mean that kind of way yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that Dad put you on the phone. Let's see if somebody's hiring and we can get you a summer job. All right, Chloe? Okay. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you. I'll be back to you if we have news, okay? Okay. Thank you. Cheers. Anybody hiring? She comes with her highest endorsement, does Chloe. Text 0868104106. She's not terribly bothered. Work hard, good temperament, good sense of humor, good communicator, and wants a summer job. Text 0868104106 if you can help her out. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Morris, good morning. Need how you buy? Good, my man. Okay, uh, staff shortages. Some saying they can't get staff. Benny McCabe saying the other. He has no problem, he says. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was listening to Terry there um, from Fitzpatrick's, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, um, yeah, and Betty then contradicted exactly what she was saying, but Harting is one of location, Neil, um, where she is in Glontoyne isn't actually accessible for people, you know. What, are you saying that you, the people would need to drive to work, is it? Exactly, yeah. You'd Like, if, if you were, if you were, like, her... Her catchment there, you know, would be down as far as Carrie Tool at Integram Meyer. You know, that kind of way, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. She's slap bang in the middle and, like, all right, there's a bit of housing around her, but it's all high end, Neil, right? Yeah, there's but nothing... but the, the majority of those are full time jobs. Oh, I know that, yeah, but you couldn't afford to live in downtown and work in downtown. No, you but you could, you, could, you could drive there, couldn't you? You could, but why would you do that when you can probably get a job in Mayfield or a job in Glenmire or a job in Carrick Tool, right? And not only that, you have Little Island then alongside her which is one of the biggest employment centres in Cork, right? So you're up against that. She's in a unique position. But the point that I picked out from the conversation was, Neil, that she said that she was getting applications from the Far East, from places like... That's Sibu right. Six of the Sri seven, Lanka. six from the seven were India, Sri Lanka, uh, yeah, the Emirates. And she, she made a comment then that she was act- actively thinking or considering applying for work permits to apply someone from these areas. Right yeah. now, Neil... You're on the radio every morning and we talking about the cost of housing in this country. Yep. So here you have an employer now who has a unique problem which is unique to herself and her own business, right? And she then is going to try and make it society's problem for her to continue in her mm, business. No, I don't know about that. I've spoken to lots of others in hospitality and I see other texts coming in from people also in that area who can't get staff. So it's not anything exclusive to her. Yeah, I know that. I know that. But I'd like the point that I would make here, Neil, is this, right? 
It's very simple. We already have people in the country, right? We already have direct provision centres. Why are we not creating employment opportunities for people in direct provision to go on work? They, they, the can, they right? can go out to work. And why, why has that not been explored? Need? Why is there? Why is the the, 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 the tar process now going to? How can I get someone cheap from the far east in here to work? I bet you an awful lot of the people who are in direct provision are quite happy to get up in the morning and go out to work. God yeah, Almighty, it's a much better option than sitting in there. I know people who work who work in security jobs, and yeah. cleaning jobs, and yeah. stuff like that. All low paid jobs need, and they've come from that background, right? Yeah. And they go to work every day. And they contribute and they, and they pull their weight in society, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I'm sure if she explored that, she would she would get there. You know, um, it just seems. But so mad, so eh? d- looking for work permits, you're saying, um, mm. worsens the Irish housing crisis. It worsens the Irish societal position right now. You're every day of the week. You'll have Thomas go down now tomorrow, right? And he'll be given out, right? Or rightly so. About about a housing problem somewhere, right? Okay. okay. Somebody's suggesting and, and like, here. Somebody's suggesting here. Have you never heard of a bus? Have you never heard of the train? Does the train stop in Glanton? It does. It so, sure does. But so where's where the you, problem? Where do you get on it, Neil? <laughs> you get, you get on, on it in the middle of town, so you still have a parking problem. So you need a car. Or you <laughs> need to, we need to get to work. Like I if can, you're if you're twenty one years of age, Neil, right, or twenty two years of age. In the PlayStation land or the Xbox land or whatever that is, right? They're not all like you know, that. Look at Chloe; she's nearly sixteen, oh, desperate yeah, there, for a job. There's exceptions, but I'm, I'm, only, I'm only talking for the young people that age group that I know, right? In a million years, they would not dream of going out of the north side down to Glown Town for the job, right? In a million years, you have to go I, to Blackpool. Bet you, Chloe. I bet you, Chloe. I bet you, Chloe might. If Dad was going to drive her, she might go down and work in, in Fitzpatrick's in Glown Town. <laughs> yeah, behind the deli counter. Why not? Let's I see la- if she's interested I'm in that job. At it because Dad is driving her, right? And that, she's not going to stay there very long. I walked. Dad is driving her. I walked into that one. All right, I did. <laughs> uh, the- I hear you're demented anyway from oh, the kids, are you? Did she tell you that? Did Emer tell you that? She no. did. Yeah. <laughs> I want to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was home here and the like, the lockdown. That she says to me on, uh, when I was talking, I've heard from you in a long time. She said I thought you were after immigrating. But <laughs> now I'm worse than that. I said I've been stuck in the house in lockdown with three children. I said the lockdown Ten, from hell is it? Nine, seven, and two. I said so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off my game. I said, well, at course, least you, know? you managed to squeeze in a phone call from me this morning, I which is something. I'll try for anyway, Neil. All you right, know? kids, you know? stay in touch. Look after yourself. Door, you know? Cheers, Talk Morris. God bless. Bye, Back bye, after bye. 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed, with a super prize on Friday, the Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue. Four big, powerful burners, big cooking capacity area, and everybody will eat at the same time because you've got lots of cooking area. You've got all the accessories that go with it. This barbecue is worth €1,500, Euro, courtesy of ourselves and Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Marta. We also have daily €50. Euro uh, vouchers to give away that you can spend in the garden centre or indeed in the cafe. So more on that after 11. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, Adoa standing by. So is Dan, Evan. First up, Pat. And then I'm going to do some emails and texts and what have you as well. So we'll mix it up. Back to the phone lines we go. Pat, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. Okay, so uh, two trains of thought here. Uh, Benny McCabe is saying that things are very positive with regards to hiring and taking people on, and he's given lots of tips to people. Forget about the CVs. Others are claiming that they can't get staff, and the pup is a pain in the nuts with trying to get staff. Um, what do you make of it all? Especially, say, for instance, in hospitality and retail. Yeah, well, I worked in retail doing security for uh, 19 and a half years, and um, I'd have to, I, I would be very negative about it because work has been outsourced. What does that mean, um, outsourced? Cleaning, cleaning staff, which would have been normally um, working for the company. Yeah, outsourced to have, companies who provide... Sorry? They don't have direct staff. They use eight companies. Anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've outsourced uh, the jobs. What's wrong with that? And, uh, well, what's wrong with it, Neil, is that most of the time you don't have any rights. You have very little rights as it is, but you don't have any rights. As I said, I worked in the place for 19 and a half years. Worked for the people who owned the place. Mm. And there was no pension scheme. There was nothing. Mm. Um, was bought eventually by a vulture fund and uh, your rights was even less. Mm. Uh, but they outsourced all the staff that was there, all the staff that gave good service and they were loyal over the years. No, they didn't know me nothing at all. And were they, when they outsourced it to a company who provided the services, were those people rehired? Why they were. They were outsourced to a company. In, in some cases, the company... Predominantly hired foreign workers. No, right. I have not against people coming into the country working. Right, but but but, but it's a problem if it's a problem if people coming into the country are displacing Irish workers. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. I'm afraid that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. What, because companies, companies now just you see they're saving on um, holiday pay. They're saving on having an accountant make doing wages and all that. That's what they're looking at. It. They're not looking at the person at all that's been with them for such a long time. Okay, it's more and efficient for them. It's simpler. It's cleaner. It's easier for them to outsource the work, yeah, rather well, than have direct employees on their books, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, Neil, in my opinion, and just my humble opinion, is that it's, not as ineffective because the person that's coming in knows that they could be somewhere else next week. So they mightn't do as good a job, is it? Pardon? They mightn't do as good a job? They may not do as good a job as well because if you're working for somebody and you've been there quite a while, there's a a loyalty after building up. No, it's not necessarily from both sides, but there's a loyalty after building up and you don't want that premises boiling down, for instance, because you know that your, your yeah, job will be I know. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you might be more committed to the job you're saying rather than if you had, if you had, were visiting eight or ten different places a month, kind of, yeah. Yes, and, and the fact is, in the, in the particular place I worked in, is the agency workers ask the agency for pay raises. And like, I wouldn't like to tell you the answer that they got. <laughs> But would the wages be the same, though, for the job? No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be, no. And maybe maybe the agency are employing people from overseas because they can't get Irish people to do the work. No, that's not the case. How do you know? Well, I'm only telling you where I worked in particularly, there was plenty of Irish people applied for the job. Right, okay. Plenty of Irish. There wasn't a shortage there at all. And um, they seemed to think that people coming in were 
I won't say more reliable because that wasn't the case. No, I mean. Sometimes they can be, though. I mean, I. Timekeeping and attendance anywhere in Europe. That's anywhere in Europe. Not alone in Cork, anywhere in Europe. What? My timekeeping and attendance in the job would have been. Matched anyone in Europe. Yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and I don't mean to, you know, be disparaging to the Irish workforce. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, you know, maybe we have a problem with people calling in sick or maybe sometimes we do have a problem with people slacking or what's in it for me and people come in from overseas and they work really, really hard. And it but the Irish work hard as well, Neil. I mean, the Irish work hard as well. They're just not given the credit for it. Like you going to you going to a bank now you can hardly get into a bank because they don't want you coming in. There's banks closing down. Where are these workers going to go? It is all right for the government to say reskill them and so on, but there's no jobs for them unless you're bilingual now and you have other skills. You're wasting your time. You must realize there was a lot of people came in from overseas here who had absolutely no English, absolutely no English. Yeah, but they came in, they took an awful lot of the hard work that didn't pay huge money that the Irish didn't want to do or couldn't do because they couldn't support a family on it, to be fair to them. You know, they worked long hours. They, I mean, like, you know, you look... But was, it right, was it right so that they should have been abused? Oh, God, no. Right oh, God, no. It, I mean, you look you're at... you're saying, if they, were, if they were discriminated against as regards low wages and so on... They possibly right were taken... No, no, they were possibly in... In many cases, taken advantage of. I mean, you see the meat industry. That's got to be one of the hardest businesses to work in. The abattoir, meat production, meat butchering. And, and they come in from overseas in Brazil. I mean, they, they, they have a really, really hard life here. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. But I mean, I, I, tell you, I worked with a particular company for 19 and a half years. I was given a week's notice of... Uh, All right, well, I mean, I don't want to drill into that because I don't want to be yeah. getting into any... Any hot water or me in any hot water well, with an ex employee? Any hot water? No, I wouldn't be in any hot water whatsoever. Okay, so um, um, a lot, a lot of it has moved to agency work, and a lot of it is overseas, and that's displacing Irish jobs. And um, let me throw out the question there: Do people believe that the Irish work ethic is as good as European work ethics? That's an interesting question to ask, isn't it? Well, as I said, I, I'm one person. I'm telling you with all honesty that my work ethic was very good. My timekeeping and attendance was second to nobody anywhere in Europe. And did you get another job? No. No. Wh- now that I'm not applying, there's no one answering. And you must also realize, Neil, if a person of my age will apply for a job, they'll never get an interview. Yeah, the older you get, the tougher it gets. Yes, they'll never get an interview. You won't even get, in 99.9% of cases, you won't even get an answer, never mind an interview. So what So what are your plans? Do you think it's early retirement I then? I think, I think they'll have to choose everyone once they come to 65, just to repeat, when they come to 65 and leave it at that. But are we, are we not supposed to move aside for others at 65? But is, is that not discriminating then against... Uh, Oh, absolutely. If you want, in the private sector, if you want to keep on working, you can do so. If you're medically fit and able, why not? Okay. I mean, we hear enough from the politicians about people, especially since the pandemic, about their mental state. 
Okay. Men det fjol går inte att vara för vi ser in the same place. Och vad är vi going to work for? For we say 20 years. You're into a routine. Once that routine will stop, I'm saying if you're not able to do the job anymore, that's fine. You can't do it. But if there's nothing wrong with you and you can pass a medical test. And and you could you could continue in security at 65, yeah? Where I was, yes. Yeah, okay. Where I was, okay. I should have been able to do it. Gotcha. My work ethic was perfect uh, and so on. Uh, as I said, the, where I worked was bought by a vulture fund. Okay. By a vulture fund, I won him. I'm around to let that. And things changed. Yeah, okay. We covered a lot of ground this morning. Pa- I went I went from being paid weekly to being paid, in some cases, every five weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and like, you're not talking about anyone getting... You you won't become a millionaire doing security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Security companies might do well because they're, they're able to... They have a high turnover of staff because nobody stays that long because... We say the security company might get 25 euros a unit or per person. That person might get 12. Yeah, oh, well, they are a business after all, you know. We, and, 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 and we, there's no doubt whatsoever about that. They are business and you're in a business to make money. I mean, maybe everyone should join the public se- sector because they don't have to... Uh, in large degrees, I mean, most of the public sectors now, if you try to ring them on the phone, you couldn't get through to any of the offices. You couldn't get somebody that even answer the phone and say, or even a message stating that there's nobody here at present. Yeah, everything's automated. All right. Listen, we covered an awful lot of ground. I'd love to get people's thoughts on I what you've had so- to say. I think, sorry for the girl that was on the other but I think the days of the summer jobs basically are gone. Okay, let me talk to Adeo, a chef working at the at the moment. I think he might have opinions on whether there's work out there or staff with regards to hospitality. Adeo, good morning. Good morning. You say that some people don't want to work here. Explain. Like, you know, like loads of chefs and the waiters and the, all those kind of people, construction stuff like that, they are the only ones who get more, you know, the time without work and stuff like that. And uh, I know chefs, I know people who get the opportunity to come back, but they say like 350, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that for now, you know, and choose not come back. But surely chefs will be making considerably more than 350 a week. Some of them, because another one chose to do the three days to try to keep the other ones, no cash and stuff like that. Oh, they want cash uh, as well as pop, is it? Oh, yes. That's the big problem, you know. Because we need people, that's for sure. Because busy we are, especially now coming back, but people don't want to come back, you know. They're deciding to stay at home because they don't have to do anything for the 350. And if they want to come back, they want to keep the 350 and get cash for three days work. For three days work, exactly. I know people like, for example, that other gentleman was saying, people from other countries. Look, I work with chef from Brazil. And they couldn't stay because of visas and stuff. But they prefer work than stay home, you know? So I kind of disagreed with him, say, maybe not good to hire people from other places and stuff like that. But when well, well one, one of the calls this morning, um, Fitzpatrick says she's thinking of, bringing, of getting work visas to bring people into the mm-hmm. country. Because you can't no, get stuff. I, I support that because, look, if... Some don't want to do it. 
other people want to do it, you know. Yeah. And do you know I mean, do you know of restaurant owners or, or what have you that are happy to pay cash and allow their worker to continue with the pub? Uh, I know a few, but I prefer not. Oh, I know. I don't know who they are, but they're they're desperate enough to to do that. Yeah, they're desperate to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, because they want to give contract and do everything properly, but people don't want to do it. Only that's the way they do it, you know. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And are you back full time now? Did you come off pop? Yes. Yes. I'm uh, back three weeks now. And you prefer it? I prefer, of course. I prefer. For me, at least, uh, I'm doing my job and getting my money because we're going to pay for that, you know. So you got to pay the pub back it. when you go back to work oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to pay it. So it's better to start paying now and come back than keep going and, you know, the economy go bad anyway. But would it be the case that a lot of our restaurants and gastro pubs and hotels will have people in the kitchen that aren't qualified then? No, yes, but lots of places now, they give uh, trainings and all that stuff. So... Everyone have the opportunity to come back, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a very highly qualified chef some weeks back and he said the high qualifications of a chef now and all of the training and all of the college and culinary skills, none of that counts for anything anymore because you're just literally told what to do in a kitchen and it's just kind of all automated anyway. The days of the head chef is gone. Depends on the type of kitchen, to be honest, because... Loads of them is like McDonald's, just cook and serve every yeah. time the same thing. Yeah. Like a curry is a curry, fish and chips is fish and chips, wings are wings, a burger is a burger. It's fairly straightforward, exactly. you know? But even like that, we need to have the qualifications for safety, for, you know, for everything anyway. So Okay, okay. You see, and lots of the companies give that uh, opportunity to give the training and all the, the things like that anyway. So Okay, all right. Listen, good to have you back working then. You're a happier man because of it. Thanks, Adele. Appreciate you taking the call. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Why, why would anybody break their back for an employer when uh, the job doesn't even qualify them for enough to save for a mortgage, is it? Yeah, well, I, I like to be honest, I'm not of that generation, but I do empathize with today's generation, and I can see somewhat where they're coming from, like when they have, I mean, they get, they've, just, they've been slated by our generation, I guess being millennials and being lazy and so on and so forth. But I think, to be honest with you, this generation have wised up to what, uh, based on watching their own families, their parents, go through what they've done in this country, which is break their backs, only to be sold out to Europe effectively, effectively by Leo Varadkar's government. And, the, you know, they get nothing back for it. So, like, the, the reality... In, you know, in, you know, in what sense? That you pay tax and get nothing for it? You, get, you pay tax in this country, you work for your salary, and you get nothing back for it. You're pushed back, 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 all the way down the line. But you'd have a very miserable life if you never got off your arse and got a job, though. That's, that's, I, I agree with you, and that's not the, the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make really is that I think I have to empathise with the generation today because they have been sold out completely. There is nothing for them in this country. You know, Leo Varadkar says to the young people in this country only a few years ago, and it's all the base on the housing crisis. Move in with your parents or ask your parents for your inheritance or leave the country. That's what he said, and he's coming back into power now next year. Now, he's done nothing to fix the issues. There, there is no hope. Uh, there's not much hope unless you're going to earn, you know, you're going to earn a, you know, somewhere close to a six-figure salary in this country for a young person. So it's really tough. But how, so are, you ever going to, how are you ever going to get to a six-figure salary if you don't start well, lower and work up to it? That's what we well, all do. Neil, my response to that is you should ask uh, Michal Martin since he put a figure of 450 grand on a, an affordable home in this country and a salary 
um, a requirement of 90,000 euros in order to qualify for that. So he's the man you need to ask that question. What I'm saying is that given that we have all of this stuff going on and, and, and the way it's being run here in this country, it doesn't surprise me. And I do empathise a little bit with young people insofar as that I think they've woken up to what's actually the reality of the situation here. You can work all the hours and years you want, but unfortunately the reality is until you get a certain, to a certain level, you're not going to get much back for it. And that, that sense of like... I, but I you do know, you do. No, that isn't altogether necessarily true because the more you earn, yeah. the more you pay. And if you're above a certain threshold, you could be end, yeah. you'd end up paying 52% of everything you earn in tax and another 7% of that on USE. Which means that yeah, you, for, for every euro that you're earning, you're only keeping forty cent of it. Oh, you know, I understand that. Like, but you know, you say this, you tell this story to somebody who's just coming out of college now. You know, I, I like, yeah, I, I think that young people are in for a lot of stick in this country, but they have effectively been sold out to your boy uh, Leo Brecker and Michal Martin's government, okay. and that's been ongoing for the last ten years. And I have to empathise them because our system of government is not facilitating young people in this country. So in, order, in other words, we're, not, we're, we're destroying family units, we're running our children out of the country, we're importing X number of immigrants to, to do certain jobs, I suppose. But it's not even the lower paid jobs. I mean, the, the big tech companies generally take in European, young European people from abroad to come and pay rents of like up to five or six thousand euros per Months in and these tech and in all these go. tech companies and call yeah. centres and everything that bring in staff yeah. from overseas, would you say they pay them well? No, well, there's one in particular in Cork, which is... I don't, don't want to yeah. know I the names of any. Cause I know I you know the name, I, I won't give names. But I know for a fact that the salaries are quite low. And they're, they're so low, in fact, for across a lot of staff that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't facilitate even the, 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 the feasibility of paying rent and living. Like, you, you know... It's so, will those people who are earning that those tiny wages in those companies, yeah. will they ever will they ever actually settle down here, or are they transient? They can't afford to. Okay, it's a, you know that's the reality. I know what you're saying, and I, I, you can hear what I'm saying, and I won't mention names, but that's the reality. It's it, it, these these type of environments, the type of companies, really just facilitate the political agenda of being Bob Miguel, X number of jobs. It looks good on paper. It's, it, it's revenue for the tax. And then, of course, it satisfies Mr. Fiscal, Pascal Dunne's books. And then he sells that story back to the people. But why but would the they be paying so bad know, wages to the transient workers when they make massive profits? <laughs> Sorry, what did you say there? Sorry, why, why would they be bringing in all of these workers to work in, these, in this sector, pay them crap money, and you have six or eight of them living in the same house, sharing a house, when they themselves make huge profits? That's 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 governance, Neil. That's 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 the premise of the whole problem. Like it's it's bad governance. Governance. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever way this the, the economy is now, as soon as that corporate uh, corporate tax rate drops from its current rate, even by half a percent, they'll be gone. And then you'll see the you will see the you know what hit the fan, so to speak, for everybody. Okay, so this is a generational thing. You're in your forties, but have a good work ethic that you got when you were younger. You're saying yeah. that that's not on offer anymore now. I it's not on offer, and I, you know, there are. I know, I know a lot of young people as well. You know, I, you know, you hear their stories. They're in for an awful lot of stick in this country. But I tell you one thing: the the, the people who voted in this government to look at when next time you vote for your government, think about your children's future in this country. Do you want your children to run out of this country, or would you like to see them have a life here so you can have a family unit, uh, you know, and a system. Uh, that looks after the family and looks after everybody. Like, 
I'm not saying that we want to live in a utopia, but in real terms, like to give people in your own country a chance before you extend the but hand you, elsewhere. You do know, okay. Okay, well, you do know, just, just very finally, you do know enough, an awful lot of countries around the world, and many European countries, people are quite happy to rent. They don't have the same preoccupation yeah. with buying a house. They don't, yeah, but that's what they're trying, that's what the government are trying to sell to young people. But, like, they can't even build homes in this country. The young people are run out of the country. Homelessness is at its worst level since the beginning of the state. Leo Varadkar governed this. He, uh, he rejected housing units in his own um, constituency in Castleknock because it would degrade the area, apparently, according to news reports. And, uh, I mean, you know, Owen Murphy... He, so who would you put in? Okay, who would you put into power? I don't want to say, and I, I can tell you one thing: I'm not Sinn Fein, <laughs> but I, I I would seriously consider X number of independents that would force. And I, I suppose I would uh, like I'm not a Sinner, but I would give them a chance. You know, I I, I just think with this country, like we've had no change of hands. And if, well, if that, is, that is true. It's been the same old you know, players it, all of the time. You, know, you do the same old thing, you get the same old, uh, you get re- repetitive errors and problems coming back. That's if what Einstein used to say, isn't it? Doing yeah, the same thing, exactly. expecting different the results. Same thing again, again, the same result. If you change it, you will at least you'll give that change a chance, okay. and then you'll see what its potential can be and what it can do. If it does work out, well and good. If it doesn't, then you go back to the drawing board. But if you don't change it, you'll never know. Okay, thanks, Morris. Apologies. Thanks, Seamus, as always. Back after the break, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Uh, this is insane. It really is. Um, we need to check and see if this is accurate. I have the name of the establishment here, a particular establishment in Cork, charging €60 Euro just to book a table. My daughter was in there Friday night and she assumed the 60 euro booking would come off the bill, but no, they charge 60 euro for the pleasure of booking a table. Scandalous. Just thought you'd like to know what's going on in this lovely city of ours. You would think that it would come off the bill. It should have come off the bill. I mean, that's just scalping, I think. It'd be worth checking out to see uh, what that company has to say on the matter, and I'll revisit it again tomorrow morning. Myself and six of my friends had two tables booked in a Cork suburb for Saturday night. We'd gone to town first, then spent 30 euro on taxis out to the suburb. Remember now, there are six of them. The table was booked two tables. All went well. We were shown to our table and sat down. No more than two minutes later, the owner himself told us he had a different table for us and said, could we follow him? So we did. And he ended up escorting us out of the pub and said, not tonight. Now, Neil, I would hold my hands up and say if we were any messy, if we were anyway messy or anyway drunk, but we weren't. It was only 8 p.m. I understand not all bars like the look of seven 22-year-olds coming to their bar. But we shouldn't all be painted with the one brush. We were respectful. We didn't even do anything to be thrown out. I rang the bar this morning, Sunday morning, and asked to speak to the manager. The owner came on and refused to talk to me and give me any reasoning as to why we were thrown out and hung up the phone on me. I think it's the height of disrespect how we spent money on taxis to go out and support them after an extensive lockdown and got thrown out in such a sly manner. We then had to pay another 30 euro for taxis into town to try to find a bar, which is near impossible at that stage. So we all ended up going home. I've lost all respect for the owners and neither myself or friends will ever be supporting them again. I think it's an absolute disgrace and is no way to be treating customers. I know for sure if we were any bit older, 
he certainly wouldn't have done it. Okay, um, I'm not sure, I don't know where that is, but I would like to find out and just put in a call to the manager or indeed the owner as to what happened in that regard because I think that, I don't know why it happened. Um, I don't know for what reason. I mean, we have the age, age old one where they will say, well, it's up to the owner or the, the manager to reserve the right to serve, but doesn't there have to be a reason for it? I mean, for years, the, the only one you could think of is, uh, you know, they didn't like the look of you, but what wasn't what wasn't there like to look? You know, um, where not everybody is blessed with stunning good looks or a fashionable wardrobe. So, on what basis would that have happened? It's an awful thing to say. I mean, you were so excited, you were all sitting there, you're the tables booked. I'm assuming you were having a bit of food and a few drinks, and then to be told uh, we have another table for you, only to be slipped out the door and told don't come back. I mean, it's an awful thing to happen. Uh, to uh, seven twenty-two year olds on a night out uh, to be painted with the one brush like that, for what you're saying, no apparent reason. So let's see what they have to say on that matter, because they must have a reason. You know, they just must. I mean, I I don't think anybody would turn away seven twenty-two year olds. I mean, seven twenty-two year olds are going to spend big money, aren't they? You know, because that's what they do at that age. They socialize. They have money to spend. They want to have a good time, and they realize that that comes at a price. You have seven twenty-two year olds that actually would be. F- not a bother in the world lashing out money on cocktails. So it'd be good money at those tables. Uh, so anyway, maybe if we can get some clarification on that, that would be well and good. All right, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll revisit those again tomorrow, and also lots more on jobs and also dating apps and what have you. So we have a lot of ground to cover, but I'm just conscious of time right now. To the phone lines we go, and um, we're looking for earliest memories. Right, this is all for our wonderful fifteen hundred euro Weber barbecue from Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe. So Eileen is standing by, Jackie is standing by. First up, Charles. Morning, Charles. Morning, Niall. How are you? Okay, you're figuring you can go to between two and a half and three years of age when you tried to kill your granny, is it? Well, when I didn't really know kill her, but definitely uh, strangle her. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, in the, yeah, I'm in the same ballpark then. All right, okay. Yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit of a story about her. She was, she was a well-renowned woman from Cold, Mrs. Britain. Was her right, name. just move around a little bit there because it's not the greatest line in the world. Yeah, can you hear me now, Claire? You're not on hands-free, are you? No, no. All right, go on. Okay. So down Coveway, when you were a babby, what happened? Right. Every day it would be routine for my mother to bring my grandmother along driving in the car. She was like the queen, you know. She was a real uh, Mrs. Bouquet kind of uh, <laughs> lady, you know. So she'd be waving out the car and giving it to people who passed. Was she a character, your granny, was she? Sorry? Was she a character? Oh, Jesus, yeah. An awful character, yeah. You did dead people be after passing her and did she turn around the mind then. No, I tell you, I get a better phone line because I'm mad here to hear more about your granny. So if I can clean that up, I'll come back to it again. I won't lose you, Charlie. We'll talk again, Charles. We certainly will. Jackie? Hello, Neil. How are you? Okay, I'll go back to him. Anyway, your earliest first memory? Well, not first, but one that left an impression on me was I lived in Mitchellstown when we were younger with my grandparents. I was three. And she had chickens at the other side of the road. Was it in the town or outside Mitchellstown? It was actually the top of King Street. Oh, right. Okay. Central enough then. Yeah. And she had a, like a forge. There was a forge across the road and he allowed her use her yard for her chickens. <laughs> so I used to go over with her. But this particular day, she forgot to feed. What did she feed them? Potato peels? Was it? Potato peels. But she also have a kind of a chicken food. And I had the box, I had the chicken food, but she forgot the potato peeling, so she went back. And they all made a rush for me. 
and I just lost my life inside the, 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 the gate. So All you, these chickens running. And they wouldn't be far off the same height as you? Well, not really. I mean, they look like turkeys to me at that time. <laughs> God. Oh, God. The, the thing about it was years later when I met my husband who I'm now married to, his mother had chickens in the yard and I freaked when I walked in and so I just lost my life. Are you afraid of live chickens to this day? To this day, if I see it, I have to go. The poor old, all the, the poor old chickens wanted was to be fed and they saw I you with the box. I, yeah, but I didn't know that they, were, could have, they could have ate me. Did your mother come I back was, to you? My grandmother, she did, and I was crying and going very hard all upset. Oh, misfortunate three-year-old being attacked by chickens. Oh, no. And what, no, did, your, what did your grandmother want with the chickens in the first place? It was just something she was reared in the country herself when she was younger, so it was kind of part of life, just the, the, the eggs, fresh eggs. And that time, I mean, I'm going back to 1960, Neil, a lot of people had their own things, the bits and bobs that they, my, my mother-in-law had her own chickens. And was it just for chicken. eggs or did she kill them for roasting? Oh, I didn't know any more about that because <laughs> we moved. <laughs> we tend to live in Mellow. <laughs> oh. I don't know where the chickens ended up. I could have ate a few of them. So that was your, that wasn't your earliest one, but that's one that stands out as a three-year-old. It's one, it's one that I won't forget. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, I won't ever forget it. Being attacked by the chickens in Mitchellstown. All right, I love it. I love it. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call. Hang in there. Lovely story. Charles, is that any better? We're talking about I'm your character. Right, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to Parky Queen. That's probably what's the problem. All right, you getting the jab? Well, my father was getting the jab there today. Okay, so I have your grandmother in the passenger seat, your mother driving her, and she waving yeah. around like um, like a member of the royal family around Cove. That's it. So I don't know whatever got into my own head anyway, so it must have been time for revenge. So there was a tie in the back seat. So we were going up around there. I don't know. Do you know Cove Hospital in Cove? No, no. Is it up high? Well, it doesn't, re- it doesn't really matter anyway. So I wrapped the... Um, I put the lasso over her neck and pulled down on it and I was choking her. <laughs> so that's not the best. I can imagine my mother now in the, the front seat and my sister was in the back trying to stop me. So my mother had one hand on the steering wheel. There was no such thing as their car seat back in the day there. So she went to give me the, the old snack in the hand. And my mother ended up in the, uh, the reeds that night with a broken finger. <laughs> and that is true as my grandmother's in the grave. And I can... Uh, <laughs> she, she turned in the grave and... Uh, Your <laughs> mother broke her finger that. trying to stop you. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And your and your oh, grandmother was turning blue in the passenger seat. Oh, oh exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I was after doing a good job, like. But, um... Oh, yeah, it, it always pops up at the party, you know. And I can remember clear as day, clear as day. And you have no idea why a two-year-old would want to strangle his granny in the first place. No, she had the ability to torment, torment the shite out of me. Like, she, you know, she had, she was able to get a kick out of me. She'd often say, "My dad would be from Kintail, you know." And she'd go, "I go on away up to your Kintail head father. I go on away up." <laughs> You know, that kind of thing, just drawing me out to get a reaction. So you decided this was your chance in the back oh, seat just, of the... No, I don't remember planning it, but it was obviously payback to payback. You yeah. remind me of Frank O'Connor, the Cork writer, because um, when he was a small little boy, he was always coming up with all these different plans to murder his grandmother as well, because she used oh, to geez. embarrass him. 
Oh, she used to give me an off. No, I loved my granddaughter. Don't get me wrong. I loved her. We had a great relationship. Oh, but Christ, she was a woman. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Great, great. I have to say, I'd find that one hard to beat, but let's find out. All right, I'll let you get back well, to it. Thanks, Charles. All right, thanks for the time. Cheers, man. take care. Right, Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue, courtesy of ourselves, and Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Marder. This is €1,500 Euro worth of kit. Calls on the way. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right, to the phone lines. Eileen, good morning. Morning, Neil. This is quite worrying, actually, about being up in the loft with no ladder, but you were about four, was it? Neil, I was four, and my sister was two. So we had only just a terraced house. How long ago are we talking about? Do you mind me asking? I, oh, we're talking about for a while. Um, I'm 78. Okay, 74 oh, years yeah. ago. Okay. 74 years ago. Anyway, Neil, I was four and my sister was two. But we had a terraced house and we had only, a, we'd say, a kitchen and a bedroom. Right. Right? Okay. So... As I say, my mother used to have a big fire in the in the room, and I remember just there was a table, and she used to always wash our stockings by nice white stockings and dry them for the following morning to the fire and white nurse sandals. We're talking the late forties, early fifties. Was there on, was yes. there only a kitchen and one bedroom? Was there a front um, room or a back kitchen? No, or? no, 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 no. It was just the the toilet was out in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The tile was out in the back and it was only a makeshift toilet. You know? But yeah. anyway, listen to me, we were, we were there anyway and next my father decided that we were to go up in the attic. He didn't say the attic, he said the the loft. The loft. He had to go, he had to go up in the loft tonight. And I said, what? And, we, you have to, and you have to mind your sister. So, he got out the ladder, Neil. Did they do up the loft? Did they put up uh, no, blankets? There was, a, there was a little bed up there, but we didn't know it. I didn't know it. My sister was only two, Neil. But <laughs> you he were said, four. They have to go up to the loft tonight and sleep. We have a, we have a lovely room upstairs here. Which I was delighted. I was only four. And he got out the ladder, Neil. And, he put, and we went up in the ladder anyway. And I remember him saying... I have to take away the ladder. No, I'm not leaving the ladder there at all because it would fall down. Well, Nina nearly lost me life up there. Little but did anyway, he know that without a ladder, you would definitely fall down. But anyway. No, no. He took away the ladder, Neil. And we couldn't go down and we could call him. But he would put the ladder back if we called him and come back up to us. And what would you be calling him from? We don't want to be up here, Dad. And it was like this now. One of the nights he forgot to bring up our little potty. <laughs> and we did <laughs> We had a small potty upstairs. For Dad, the Dad, Dad, we're bursting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like potting me like I'm still see it. It's now. like Hansel and Gretel stuff, isn't it? I tell you, it was like a little white potty with a handle. And uh, uh, I had to shout because I needed the potty need. And that was all right. Anyway, this particular night, I woke up during the night because I thought I heard someone shouting or crying. I didn't know what it was, Neil. And I got a fright. And next I heard a cry of a baby. Oh, right. I cry of a baby. And I shouted to him. 
I wanted to come down and my father put the ladder up and he brought me down. My baby sister was two. She was still asleep. And he brought me down and he said, you have a new baby brother. Oh, my God. That's and the that most was the reason, Neil, we were put up in the loft. No, we were left up in the loft for a couple of weeks after me <laughs> because that's the way it went, you know. The house I was so small. It wasn't a style we had. We had a ladder. I know. It wasn't one of the styras that came down automatically. I know. Yeah. So the reason you were up there, because the baby was due any day. Yes, love. That was the reason, Neil. So we had, I had a new baby brother. So as the years went on, Neil, I was the first one to go out working. I was 14. My mother needed me to go to work and I went to work. And I went to work in the shirt factory, which made pyjamas. And they would be all little pieces of pija- pieces of material left. And what did I do, Neil? And I still remember it. We used to always keep all the pieces and put them together. And didn't I make a little pair of pyjamas for my brother when he was 10? I was 14 at the time. Oh, my and God. And I never, I never forget it, Neil, because... You know, it was just something we all did because I don't know whether we had any pyjamas ourselves at that stage. That's a beautiful story. That's a beautiful story. You know, I think we used to go to bed in our little panty and vest. I know. So your mammy mammy was crying and shouting out in labour and you heard her upstairs. And I heard her upstairs and I thought, what was wrong? I got a fright. I know. My sister sister upstairs fell asleep. That's the loveliest story. And I shouted down, I want to come down. And my dad put the ladder up for us. The styrene. <laughs> <laughs> my dad put the styre up, Neil, and brought us down and showed me my baby brother. Oh, it's so beautiful. That is, I and, had to tell you that. And I'm so delighted that you did because I can picture every part of that story as you told it vividly in my own mind. And did you enjoy going out to work at 14? Was it Where did you go? Was it Dwyer's or Gorman's? I went the to Sunday? Dwyer's, Neil. I went to Dwyer's. Yeah. And I hated it, Neil, but my mother told me I had to stay there. Wait, did you hate it because you were so young and the work was hard? I, I, yes, yes, Neil. We had to do piecework there, and at the time it was hard. What's was piece, hard and what was piecework? There could be any piecework, hours at all, is it? Piecework, you had to get so much work done. and um, It all depended on how much work you got. You got so much wages then. Yeah. If you only did a small ass, you'd only get... You had only a small amount. And did you, you hand it all up at home then you did? Or did you get to keep... We used to get two shillings off my mother and I'll never forget it. Two shillings my mother used to give me because in a little brown envelope and my poor mother used to be delighted with me going to work. I know. And as I, know. I said, my brother, I'd say, had his first pair of pyjamas and he was like a clown because it was all colours. <laughs> it was... Beautiful, Neil. <laughs> you know, the hard kind I of know, that'd be very yeah, fashionable now. Yeah, yeah. And just one know. final, what did you spend the, with a 14 or a 15 year old? What would you spend the two shillings on? Oh, well, I tell you, Neil, we used to go, I used to go out to Douglas to the Chinese shed. Jensen, <laughs> there was Kelly's out there. <laughs> and we used to walk all the way because I was living in Blackrock. And we used to walk all the way. We were left coming out of that little house then. And um, we got a, a tree. Three bedroom house then. And your throat will say, in case anyone knows me. Go away. That must have been like a palace. We, oh, a palace. We got a three bedroom house, Neil, in Blackrock, in McGrath Park. And 
the house we were in was condemned, but it was. I know McGrath Park well. And what did I your we were, and what did your dad do? My dad, my dad looked, worked in the Hanover. Did he? In the Hanover at the Lee boat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he walked in the Hanover and believe us, he was grand to God help us. He was go, he was go, when they were on three days. He was going to work. Hang on, and I tell you, and he was psychic to work in a bad shift. And my mother, you know, my mother was given, she was given a packet of wood binds, two shillings for a horse, and brown. Listen to this, and brown paper for his chest. Keep the cold Wait a second! You were you were getting two shillings, and your dad was getting two shillings. I don't know what my father was getting. He was getting. I told you. Would he ever I go? I mean, would he put the money on a horse? Would he not go for a couple of pints down to Longboats oh, yes, or the Pierhead or down to the Maple or the Leap and Salmon or any of these places? He used go for a couple of pints after work of a Friday night. And when he'd come home, he used to be the last boat he used to come home. And he'd have my mother's money in one side of his shirt and his own money was gone because he was after spending it. Well, in fairness, he always produced, didn't he? Yeah, he did love, he did. And we had a very happy home. We made, we had plenty of food, plenty of everything. And plenty of love, Neil, and I that's what we need. I love it, I love it. That's it's a beautiful story. Well, listen, I'm so love. delighted you shared that story because it's just I beautiful. I don't know whether it sounded good or bad, Neil, but I had to tell you because it was the leather and it was my nun. Ah, we yeah, never had, we'd only the one brother and that was my, you, son, my brother. You should go back to the tinny shed. It's still there, you know. Well, Neil, believe it or not, love, I did with my husband. Lovely. I did, because he used to go to the tinny shed as well. I met him when I was 16. Still there. And God love him, he died six years ago. When we were 50 years married on the 13th of February, and he died on the 1st of February. Oh. God love him. But we loved, we loved going out to the tinny shed. And I was a nice dancer, right, a good dancer. But he was a legger, but he wasn't long getting into going. What's a legger? Is a legger who guy just can't dance at all, two left feet? No, no, he was able to get around, but he wouldn't have been as good as me. <laughs> I love it. All right. Listen, it's lovely talking to you. I could listen to you all day. Thanks so much for sharing this. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a 50 euro voucher for Carewswood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr. And I don't know how handy you are in the cooking department when it comes to a barbecue. Are you any good? I am indeed. I I try it anyway. Neil, I do. I'm ready for anything. All right. Well, have you a lot of grandchildren? I have. I have eight grandchildren, nine grandchildren. Well, nine listen, grandchildren. I'll put you I'll put you into the final on Friday and you'd never know what might happen then. All right. Oh Neil, I'm so delighted. Lovely Thank talking you, my to love. You're the greatest. Thank you, Neil. You're very good. Bye Eileen. Thank I'm you. all the better for chatting with you. Thank you so, so much. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one oh four one oh six. You can text oh eight six eight one oh four one oh six. A big day tomorrow. I'm mentioning it now because I could forget tomorrow. It's a big day tomorrow in Yall because the uh, the boardwalk's finished and it's open to the public and that will take you all the way all the way uh, from y'all all along the beautiful beach of Red Barn all along Clay Castle all along to the Quality Hotel and way beyond it's just fantastic the under with the uh, extension 
refurbishment started back in, uh, I think around about 2014, after it was destroyed by the winter. So they decided they'd do a damn good job of it. There's going to be one hell of a walk from tomorrow. It's fabulous now, but from tomorrow, all the remaining part of it, and I'm sure they're going to keep on adding to it, opens tomorrow and people down in Yall should be delighted. And people who travel down from Cork to Yall for a bit of a break or a bit of a holiday, it's there waiting for you. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. We'll do it all again in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.